Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another terrific Tuesday night. Coming to you live via the talkshoe.com server. I am the show host, Sage, the page poet. That is my signature. And you are now tuned in to episode 261 of the Exceptional Scribble Show. And for those who may not have noticed, here are some very important facts or details about tonight's episode. First and foremost, episode 261 is a main event. It is a special feature. And on tonight, which happens to fall on the third Tuesday night in the month of May, the writing king will be giving us his final night on this show's panel. We have had a wonderful time experiencing him as the expert panelist. And he has provided us with so much good resource information. We are now better and more well-informed about the process. What becoming a self-published author, what it entails and how to do it successfully. So yes, we will definitely miss him. We will miss him being on the panel. However, we will continue our affiliation and association with him. And for anyone that might be interested in corresponding with him, Aside from this show, we will make certain that his contact or correspondence information is accessible and available to you. I will continue to do referrals. So if you are looking for a writing coach, if you are interested in acquiring professional writing services, feel free, feel free to communicate with me of course you know this show is and does have a fan page we do have a following we have a fan page on facebook you would simply navigate to the exceptional scribble show we also have a twitter page you can visit our twitter page and you can post comments or remarks there or any questions if you have any questions, feel free to post them there as well. Next, what I'm going to do is provide the phone number as well as the web address, because I am certain that some people for tonight 
would like to call in or you would like to participate in tonight's broadcast. So I'm going to provide the how-to information. Just give me a few seconds. Thank you. And I do want to give a big shout out to everyone tuned in. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're on the East Coast, whether you're on the West Coast, whether you're located in the southern tip of Florida, whether you're further up in the Northeast region, whether you're in Canada, we have all supporters from all areas, the US Virgin Islands, we welcome you and we appreciate you. And we want you to know this is coming from a very real place of love. We thank you for supporting our broadcast. Where would we be without your support? That is a question I always have at the forefront of my mind because it is you. You are the wind. Yes, you are the wind beneath this show's wings. So we want you to continue to keep us uplifted because that's all we're going to do for you. We're going to keep you uplifted. So to participate, you need to call in and you can call in to ask questions, give comments, or state remarks. The call in number is 867-292-3066. I repeat, 867-292-3066. Also, our show's ID number is 133193. I repeat, 133193. And I want to say to everyone, listen, listen for the voice prompts. Listen for the voice prompts. As you hear them, you will be instructed on what to do. So you'll know when to provide the show ID number. And if you are not already a member of TalkShoe, as most aren't, you will be joining the call tonight as a guest. In order to join as a guest, when you're asked for the show's PIN number, you would simply press the number one on your telephone keypad and follow the prompts. I believe you might be asked to press the pound key after you press one. But when you press one, you may join the call and enter as a guest. For those who would not like to call in, you have the following options. The Exceptional Scribble Show has a chat room. We have an online web page. You would simply visit www.talkshoe.com. I repeat, www.talkshoe.com. Once you navigate to that page, you are free to visit us. We are there, yes, when you, Arrive at the Talk Shoe homepage. You would simply type in this show's ID number. You can find it at the top of the page. There will be a uh, space bar provided. You would type in 133193. I repeat, the show's ID number is 133193. After you have provided that, 
simply visit the page. You will see the option you click on to join the chat room and welcome. Uh, as a participant, you can type in whatever questions you might have. You can type in whatever comments you have and remarks. We will respond accordingly. And thank you. Okay, we're going to get right started now with the following. Here's our, our itinerary from this time moving forward. We are beginning what's called the exclusive interview hour. During the exclusive interview hour, I am honored to have as our feature, yes, he is the, the feature artist in the spotlight, the writing king, Richard G. Lowe Jr. And here's what the topic is for tonight, for those tuned in. Here's our topic. Our theme, our topic is what it takes to do a book from start to finish. I repeat, what it takes to do a book from start to finish. And it's important that we know what it takes to do a book from start to finish. It's not as easy as one, two, three, but in all actuality, it is a one, two, three process, meaning there's a step one, a step two, and a step three. So without any further ado, you're gonna hear tips provided by the accredited published author himself, Richard G. Lowe Jr., otherwise best known as The Writing King. Here's a little information about the author. Richard G. Lowe Jr.'s dream has always been to be a professional author. Richard is the business owner and senior writer for The Writing King. And for those of you who have internet access, at your leisure, please visit the following link. Here's the link, www.thewritingking.com. I repeat, www.thewritingking.com. To add, Richard is a best-selling author and a published ghost writer. He's written and published more than 65 books, ghost written more than 16 books, as well as hundreds of blog articles. And for those who would like to read his full bio and profile, you would simply need to visit www.thewritingking.com, ladies and gentlemen. And at this time, I'm opening the mic and inviting our feature artist and yes, an expert writer on this show's panel to speak so we can begin the exclusive interview. Welcome, Richard. Thank you for that great introduction. You're very welcome. Yes, I'm getting some feedback on this. Okay. You can continue on because right now it's live, so I can't really adjust, but everything will, yeah, it'll edit itself. Okay. Um, so writing a book is a straightforward process if you have a plan. 
and I've done quite a few of them. So you start with figuring out what you want to write about. And to do that, you need to do some research. Well, figure out a subject. Okay, so you want to write about science fiction. You want to write a science fiction book or a fantasy novel or something like that. So do some research and find out how well the book that you want to write will sell and figure out which categories it needs to be in. We talked about that, I think, in the first couple of shows that we did. So you okay. you, you research that. Just go to Amazon, and, and you could use a, a product um, like um, Katie Rocket, uh, or um, there's a couple other products, or you could just do it by hand. And you look through and you see what's at the top and how many they're selling. And you can, you can calculate that out in various ways. There's, uh, you can go to my website and learn more about how to do that. But you, what you want to do is you want to find some, a, a category that's not like super, super competitive, but is also not totally dead especially for your first novel. You want to find something where the category has a couple of, say, very popular books at the top, maybe three or four. I think they show 10 or 20 on a page. And then the rest of them are, are not so fast selling. So people go to that category, but they don't, it's not totally um, that page and 15 pages down are not dominated by books that are selling uh, very, very well you'll never be able to compete against a book that's selling very, very well without a big marketing budget or unless you hit, hit super lucky, <clears throat> which I wouldn't count on. So you find a, a niche or a category that works good for you, like um, paranormal vampires or, or whatever your book's about. Or if it's nonfiction, you know, maybe it's about artificial intelligence, but a specific kind and, uh, or whatever, you, whatever you're going to write about. And then you, of course, write the book, and that can be that can be a challenging process depending on the book you write. Uh, now, the thing about writing a book is you need to actually write the book. So whether you're a panster or a plotter, and a panster is somebody who writes by the seat of their pants. That's why they're called pansters. And they they don't plot the book. They basically have a maybe a basic outline, and they just kind of write. I tend to be that way. I just I just sit down and write and the book kind of writes itself. And a plotter writes, makes a detailed outline and more details and more details, and he, wants all, he or she wants all the details before they even start. They both have their advantages and disadvantages, and both methods can work, and there's coarse shades of gray in between, and whatever way you choose to write is fine. The advantage of being a panster is you tend to write character-oriented stories because you start with the characters, and then the plot unfolds from there. Game of Thrones um, Game of Thrones books are, are pansters. He was uh, J.R. Mar Martin is a panster, more or less. He tends to just make the characters and then let the story unfold around them. Whereas uh, uh, Lord of the Rings probably was a was a plotter. He tended he probably outlined the entire book, and you can tell because he's very plot driven. Uh, you know, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, and it's not anywhere near as convoluted as as uh, Game of Thrones, but both of them, both both methods work. And there's, of course, in between, you could be a little of both, or you could you could do both, or you could do neither. But write your book. And one of the main points is set a goal every single day. How many words do you want to write? And that goal shouldn't be a low goal. It shouldn't be okay. I'll do I'll do 200 words a day. 
Um, I mean, obviously, if, if that's all you can do, then set your goal to 200 words a day. But try and make it a goal that's real. Pretend like it's a job and that you have to produce a certain number of, of things per day to make your boss happy. So in a job, you're not going to, uh, to write half a page all day long, and your boss is not going to be happy with that if you do that. So how much would your boss be happy with if, you, if your writing was a job? Well, he'd probably be happy with 2,000 words a day, 5,000 words a day, 10,000 words a day, whatever. But set it at a nice high goal, and that's words that are in reasonable shape. Not necessarily ready to publish, but not a first draft, not journals, not, not anything like, not letters, not promotion. That's words that are ready to go, um, ready to send to an editor, or ready to for a second pass through already. It's a good draft, basically. So I, my goal is usually about 5,000 words a day. I try and do at least that. And that takes me a good solid um, six to eight hours every single day. Something that's very important when you're writing is you don't do six to eight hours straight. You get up because sitting in a chair is bad on the back. It's bad on all kinds of muscles. It, make, it also fixes mm -hmm. your stare on the computer screen, and that tends to produce writer's block. So what you want to do, or what I do, is I write for an hour, two hours, and then I get up and take a walk around, um, you know, maybe half an hour, half mile walk or mile walk, go to lunch, whatever, and then come back. And while I'm doing that, I'm always looking at things. You don't just stare off into the space. Look at things because you want to break that fixed stare that you've been staring at the computer screen. Most of us write on computers, I think. Uh, break that fixed stare and and look at butterflies, look at flowers, look at people, talk to people, whatever. Just get out uh, and exit right. a little bit. That breaks writer's block a little bit. So if, you, if you're suffering from writer's block, that's possibly one reason why is your, is you're staring at the computer screen all day long. Another reason why you get writer's hmm. block, we'll just, we'll just segue right into that, is you're editing and writing at the same time. And don't do that. Uh, most most writers shouldn't do that. What you want to do is just do a brain dump. I do a chapter at a time. Just write it and just bleh, throw up on the page, so to speak. That's what I like to say. <laughs> just write it out and then go back and edit it. Write it out. If you sit here and, and you write a, a line and then you look at, oh, that line sucks, and you delete it, and then you write it a little more, and then you change it, and then you go back and you change it. So by in an hour, you've written three paragraphs, and your your mind gets locked up because it's actually it's two parts of your basic your brain basically that work on that your editing part and your writing part are different types of creativity writing is original editing is going back and fixing so separate okay. those two tasks and you'll you'll have less of a chance of writer's block and the other thing that can cause writer's block is your environment isn't ideal uh, make sure that your writing environment is however you want to set it up. I like a quiet room. I like having books around. I have a wall full of um, butterflies and acrylics on one wall and books on another and pictures on another. So it's very calm. It's very quiet. The door is shut. If the door is shut, everybody knows. Stay away from Richard. He's writing. Unless, I mean, if the place is burning down or somebody's not bleeding on the floor, leave me alone. <laughs> and th that, that's important because if you keep getting interrupted, your stream of consciousness is interrupted, and you you're, you lock up. So mm. you need a 
generally writers might need music some like to have headphones on some don't i like to have quiet whatever is the perfect environment for you to write get your writing space as perfect as you can get a a nice computer don't fight your computer if you can afford it get the nicest computer that you can afford and i'll tell you a chromebook um, is an excellent computer you can get a nice chromebook for two or three hundred bucks i mean that's a good chromebook it works over the internet and it's very fast and efficient and it's all stored on the internet so you don't have to worry about uh, your computer crashing or anything because it's not on your computer it's on the internet in the google cloud so Chromebooks, I, recommend, I highly recommend Chromebooks for writers. And you can use Office 365 um, online, absolutely free, or you can use Google Docs online, absolutely free. And I'm sure Apple has its own version. I don't use Apple computers, but I'm sure they have their own version of it. So you can actually use right. all the tools online for free. It's a, it's, um, Office 365 is a slightly reduced Office 365 for free, but that's, that's fine. Or you can pay 99 bucks a year and get the whole thing, and, and, and you got everything. And that's not bad. So make sure your yeah. tools work and are fast and efficient so you're not fighting your computer, things aren't crashing, um, you're not um, being interrupted all the time, and, just, and then just start writing and write and then edit. And don't even edit too much the first time. So I like to write a chapter and then I do an editing pass. And the next chapter, an editing pass. And then when I get maybe okay. three four chapters in, I do an editing pass on three or four chapters. And then I start the procedure over again. And then when I'm done with the book, of course, you edit the mm. thing. Okay, so now you got a manuscript. Well, what are you going to do with it? Well, the first thing you should do with it, um, well before you're done, is start thinking about how you're going to sell it, how you're going to market it, so forth. Right. So if, let's say your book is going to be 100,000 words. That's a, that's a decent-sized novel. Um, and that, that's, that's a, it's not huge. Um, but it's not small. That, that's, that's decent. 60,000 words is also a good size for a novel. Um, less than that is, is getting in the small side. So you've got a nice size novel. Mm -hmm. All right, so when you get about halfway through, a 100,000-word novel, should, to get a draft, should probably take you, you know, six months, maybe, maybe as long as a year. Maybe, I would say you want to do two of those a year as a good goal if you can, or one a year at least. Um, but it's up to you. It's up, you set your own pace. That's just what I would do. Uh, as you get going through it and you get more like in the halfway point, you should start planning your promotional stuff. How are you going to promote this book? Are you going to go send it to a traditional publisher or are you going to self-publish? How, how are you going to promote it? How are you going to, you're going to go out there and do speeches? You're going to meet people, start building up your team. You, you should have a, um, a team to support you who are going to, who are going to show um who are going to help you post your book on social media and tell people about it um i know one lady that i interviewed i used to interview writers i'm not doing that anymore but i used to be interviewing writers one a week and she had 700 people from her church who would put in um, a couple hours to post to social media about the book well an hour per person 700 people is 700 hours a week <laughs> So that's a lot of promotion. Right. That's a lot of stuff. Now, of course, all of those people won't won't um, be promoting for you, and you kind of have to nudge them here and there. She got a couple people who managed the whole process. So she didn't even have to do it. And that's what you want to do. Is you want to have a writing team to help you promote your book. And you give them. You make contests. You know, you give them free copies of the book. You give them a signed copy. 
you might give them um, an audio book. I mean, you, you give them little presents and things to, to motivate them and move them on. And that promotional effort should start well before the book's done because it's going to take a while to build up steam and get it going. So get it moving and continue yeah. on your book. Now, of course, if you're yes. going to go traditional publishing, the publisher is going to do all that. So that's a whole different ball of wax. If you can get a traditional publisher, which you probably can't, but if you can, if you know somebody or if you got a good agent or your book is one of those Game of Thrones type books or Fifty Shades of Grey ugh, yeah, um, <laughs> type books, then then you know the sky's the limit and go with, go with a traditional, traditional publisher and what I just said doesn't apply. This is self-publishing. So now you're, you're promoting your book you're finishing your book, um, you've got a draft copy done, you want to get an editor. Typically, you want to hire an editor at this point. This is, this is the point at which you probably would be starting to spend money. You're going to hire an editor, a professional editor. Uh, I recommend a real professional editor. They're going to cost you some money. Um, if 100,000 word books, probably going to cost you a few thousand dollars. Uh, mm. this, you want an editor, if you've got a friend who's a professional editor, maybe you can work out a, um, you know, a barter, but you want a professional editor, not a, a friend, not a colleague, not somebody who you found on the internet who is a buddy. You want a professional. Question. Uh, yes. Huh? I have a question. Would you recommend Grammarly.com? I'm talking about editing, not grammar. We're not, to, we're not to proofreading yet. So editing is an okay. entirely process than proofreading. Proofreading is checking for grammar and checking for, for spelling. We'll get to that in a minute. Editing is the guy oh. or gal who's going to look through your manuscript and make sure it makes sense, is going to correct, say, this character is not developed. Let's develop him. That's a developmental editor. A uh, copy editor is going to go through and find the holes in the plot. It's going to help you, um, you know, rewrite sections that need to be rewritten, not because they're grammatically bad, but because... Maybe they don't make sense. An editor might go through and hack out whole chapters from your book, saying these aren't needed. Might add a okay. chapter to the book. So they're 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 more of guiding hands to help you make your book into a more polished copy uh, mm -hmm. from an editorial point of view. Once you get it back from the editor, you're you might even want to send it to a second one, or you might have to send it back to the first one again. Um, start um, shopping. Or part of your writing team should be. Um, uh, beta readers. Those are people who are going to read your book for you. Those are usually friends or people in your writing group who and you can go to writing critique groups. Usually, those are local. You can find them on meetup.com. Uh, get some people to read your book. And good writing critique people, they don't give you general critique like, ah, you know, that character was awful. Or um, the, the plot really didn't make sense to me. That mean, That doesn't help you at all. That's a worthless comment, and you should just ignore it. What you want is, okay, the character Bran, at this point, and I'm just watching Game of Thrones, so Bran, at this point, he's supposed to be a cripple, but he's using his hands for this. What gives here? You know, why, how can he do that? And you go, oh, I missed that part. You know? Or um, you know, this spaceship uh, is exceeding the speed of light here. It's going, you, you need to fix that. You know? And they'll give you some real feedback. Okay. If a beta reader comes back and says, oh, I was fine, except for a couple minor things here, or it starts proofreading it, they're, they're worth it also. You want beta readers who give you good, solid 
specific critique. Right. We want specific something you and specific is easy to identify. You can find it and you can fix it. Mm-hmm. If you can't find it, fix it. It's not specific. If it's general, uh, I didn't understand chapter six. That didn't help me. Right. <laughs> that didn't help at all. Right. What, did, right. what didn't you understand about it? Well, it's just hard to read. Um, so you need to get that narrowed down. And you, mm. you don't want people you have to coach and stuff. You just want to give it to them and say, give me some real solid critique. And writing critique groups are great for that. Uh, the only problem with writing critique, critique groups is they can be a little slow because they usually meet once a week and you only, usually only get to read three or four pages. So it can take a while. So you want to join several of them perhaps. So what you're doing at this stage is you've got a written manuscript. You can send it out to an editor to do some major work on it. And they're probably going to tear it apart. And that's good because you'd rather have it torn apart by an editor than by Amazon reviewers. <laughs> huh? And you're going to have some beta readers read it. And then you're going to send it to a proofreader finally at the end. Um, I like to use two proofreaders for books that I consider like professional quality. So you find um, you, you can hire them on different places like freelance or uh, I, I um, Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R or elsewhere. And if if you use them from those websites, they're very inexpensive, but they're also not professional. So you'll want to hire mm. at least two, maybe even three. You'll get them dirt cheap. Uh, but you want to have several people p- go through it if you're going to do that route. Grammarly, to answer your question, um, yeah. I mean, run it through Grammarly. It's not going to hurt, but I have found that it's pretty poor. It doesn't catch a lot of things. It's It's very robotic. It has some weird rules about commas that don't make sense. It um, and I've spent more time trying to chase down Grammarly errors that turn out not to be errors, than I finally just threw it away and got my money back. Actually, um, I, I oh wow, don't, I don't rec- I don't recommend Grammarly other than it doesn't hurt to pass it through there. But when you're talking a novel of a hundred thousand words, you're talking a significant amount of work, and you know send it out to a person. To do mm-hmm. and that should not be your editor and it should not be the writer it has to be a different person right um, it's somebody else um, yeah it's not something I don't recommend automating that although the automation can help catch some of the basic growth errors uh, if you if you have, and one thing about automation and Grammarly is you'll find out right away if you have a problem with XYZ uh, if you're going to use fiction by the way autocrit a-u-t-o-c-r-i-t dot com is a far, far superior product. Autocrit, for autocritique, autocrit, um, you put your novel in, and then there's buttons on it, and it says, you say, I want, tell me all of the words in here that are, that are passive voice. And it'll go through and it'll list them all. And then you say, okay, tell me all the words that are strong, and it lists them all. Tell me the ones that are weak, and it'll list them all. Tell, and, and it'll do all this analysis on your book, and you'll find out right away, oh, boy, I write in passive voice a lot. That's why it sounds so boring. <laughs> passive voice is very boring. Um, okay. Or you'll find out you'll find out using a lot of adverbs. Uh, that's like um, L-Y words. Um, he said angrily is an adverb. You shouldn't do that. You, I mean, you do that once in a while. But you shouldn't do that very often because you're telling, first of all, you're telling he's angry. And, and the adverb form is, is frowned upon because it makes the writing kind of boring. And uh, autocrit will tell you that. Grammarly doesn't tell you any of that. 
So AutoCred is a better tool for fiction. It's, it's not meant for nonfiction. Don't even try. I've tried it. It's, it just it gets confused. Um, there's a product called Hemingway. Um, I think it's free or almost free. It's a few bucks, maybe, that you can download. And it is um, it runs on your computer, and it actually does a better job than Grammarly. Okay. But the point of all this this part is edit and get critiques and rewrite and and uh, grammar checking and stuff. Now you notice that part of what a lot of writers do is they sit there and write and edit, write and edit, write and edit, and write and edit. But you notice at the back end here, we're doing a lot of editing and grammar checking and critiquing. So all of that. Is this paragraph exactly right? It's kind of wasted, which is why I say don't even bother, because you're going to do all that on the back end. You're going to do you're going to go through all the paragraphs 50 times probably. I mean, 50 counting all the number of people you're going to have to look at it. So you don't need to sweat over it at the front end. Sweat over it at the back end. That's where it's, where it means, you know when you're done with the, the first draft. Mm -hmm. So now you've got a book that's gone through all the editing, all the proofreading. It looks pretty darn good. You're real proud of it. The beta readers come back and say, yeah, it looks great. And you're getting that from all your beta readers. You fixed all the problems. Um, you've been, your writing group, let's say you have 50 people in your writing group, and they've been posting um, a couple times a week, all of them. So you've got, you've got a steady bit of buzz all over social media about your book. You're, you're going to want to do some giveaways. Amazon lets you do giveaways. Um, you're going to want to build a mailing list. You're going to want to have a little website, just a quick one-page, two-page website, something short with the book on it and some stuff about it and a blog. Keep your website, if you want a blog, keep your blog very simple. Blog can get out of control very fast. And, and definitely want one. But don't waste pages and ages on Okay. Do the blog, put up a page, and then add to it as you go. As you're writing the book, you add to it a little bit, you add to it a little bit, and use it as a way to generate buzz about your book. And the same with Facebook, the same with LinkedIn, the same. Well, LinkedIn is not that great for, for building book buzz. Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, um, instead on Instagram, there's probably more, uh, more social media. Uh, try not to get sucked into the social media black hole where you're posting all the time because you need to spend your time writing and editing, not posting social media. And that's why you want a writing group anyway. You want a, a group that's specific to you for the writing. Now you're going to publish. What you're going to want to have is a book launch. So you, you pick a date that you're going to publish your book. You can get, have your writing group, the group that you put together, Start building buzz about that launch date. So they're posting all these posts about this book's coming. It's exciting. You're posting the first chapters here and there. You're you're putting little synopses here and there, dropping hints, saying this character, maybe pictures of characters, you know, and stuff all over the social media. And the date is going to be May 31st that it's going to be released, and you should all buy it. And you want to get as many people to buy it in those first week or two as you possibly can. Um, if you can get hundreds and hundreds of sales in that first few days, you're going to push your book up. What you're trying to do is push your book up to be in the top of the category 
number one in its categories. You can have up to two, ca two or three categories. You want it to be number one in all of them, even if it's only for a day or two. And it will gain a sort of momentum if you can keep it there for a while. So your book launch should be a whoop-de-doo event, have a little virtual meeting on Zoom or um, FaceTime or, or um, whatever the Facebook is or Google Hangouts or whatever. Have a bunch of those and release the book and have some speeches and talk about it and tell people to buy the book and put it on discount because you want that copy count to be way up there. Higher you can get it. And you'll probably sell a few hundred copies if you do all this, maybe a thousand. And that's great. That's what you want. Um, it sounds like a lot of work, right? Yeah, it is a lot of work. But you're treating it as a profession. As this, is, this is what you want to do. For, you're, you know, you're not just making a book because it's a hobby. You want it to sell. So you've got to do all this stuff. Now, once your book's published and out there and, and you've launched it and it's going, you continue the buzz. Continue posting and telling people about it, and, and you know if you haven't bought it yet, you should buy it now, uh, because the new ones, then you know Volume Two is coming out in the series pretty soon. You know and you want to make sure you have Volume One first, and then do the <clears> audio book. Make sure you've got an audio book version if it's a novel. Well, actually, make sure you got an audio book version if you can. The cool thing about audio books is you can go on acx.com and you can do it for free for a royalty split. You don't have to pay anybody to help you with it. They get a cut of the royalties. Um, do a paperback version and a Kindle version. Uh, and if you want, do an iBook version if you like Macs. Those, uh, that's a good market. Most authors miss iBook. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of authors miss iBook is you cannot upload the iBook from a Windows machine. It's, they do not allow it. However, right. you can upload it from draft to digital. But what you do is you create a draft, D-R-A-F-T, the number two, and digital.com, and you put your book there, and they will upload it into iBook for you. Also, Google Books. And that's how you get it into all of these weird marketing platforms in addition to Amazon. And those can make quite a bit of money. Uh, mm -hmm. But you have to promote the book. Right. If you notice there. something there, you notice that a lot of the work is in the promotion, getting that book to, to right. people to know that it's there. If it just sits there on Amazon, you'll sell a few copies. I mean, I pretty much stopped promoting my books a while ago because I'm focusing on the ghostwriting. And they, they don't sell that much because I'm not promoting them, and I don't care. You know, I make a few hundred mm -hmm. bucks a month, and that's great. Um, but if you, if you want to promote your books, if you want them to sell, then you have to promote and you have to do it constantly, and you have to pull out the stops. And one thing I want to mention is don't buy any ads in any new e newsletters. Don't buy Facebook ads. Don't buy Google ads. Don't buy any ads because you're not an expert, <laughs> unless you are an expert, and it's highly likely that you aren't. I have wasted so much money. On, on, you know, buy an ad for $20 in this newsletter and it goes out to 10,000 people and two people buy the book. Oh boy, mm -hmm. I just $20 to get three. That was good. Right. Um, don't do that. Just don't. Um, don't even try. They, they, you'll sell a few copies, but you're going to bang your head on the wall and, and you're, 
even if you make $23 off of that 20, big whoop. That's not where you should focus your money and your efforts. Facebook ads, man, they are so convoluted and tricky that if you're going to do that, make sure you're fully educated on it or you hire an expert, and that's expensive. Google ads, same thing. Um, Twitter ads, same thing. LinkedIn ads, same thing. All of the ads, just unless you're good at it, don't go there. It just doesn't work unless you're good at it. And to be good at it, you're going to have to burn some money. I mean, burn some money. Because mm -hmm. it, it's very complex. Um, also, don't be just dumping copies of your books in 50,000 Facebook groups. First of all, you'll get yourself banned on Facebook eventually. And second of all, nobody reads them. Nobody reads those posts anyway. So don't do it. Uh, you, mm -hmm. What you have to do, you have to, you have to be a little more personal and send out, post it to your Facebook page and your groups, you should have a group, your page, um, let your friends post it to their pages. And that's why you've got to, got to have a writing group because they'll post it all to their pages and their groups and stuff. Right. And you, you make it look a little less automated. If it looks automated, nobody's going to read it. And you can tell if a group, if stuff in a group is being read, I'm going really fast, I know, but you can tell if stuff and a group is being read because look at the comments. If there's no comments on any post in the group, then nobody's, read, nobody's reading it. They're just posting. That group's working. Right. Okay. It's a post-only deal. Yeah, um, posts should have lots of comments, lots of interaction, lots of likes. And if they don't, mm -hmm. they're not being looked at. Um, but um, don't waste time and money on, on those kind of things. You just you don't put a Google ad out for your website. Don't do any of that stuff. You're just going to lose money. And you're going to burn money because those things burn through money fast. Believe mm. me. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you can burn through $1,000 in a month on Google ads without even thinking. And same with Facebook. Just don't. Um, and watch out for the scams because one thing that I, that I fell into because it all seems so bright and shiny. Mm -hmm. There's all people out there that are called affiliate marketers. I'm actually one. I market uh, affiliate stuff, but I try only to do stuff that's quality. And I do my own products and training. But they have these schemes. They say, okay, you can sell 10,000 copies of your book. Um, you can write it in two hours and, and sell it. And it'll and just ignore that. It's just garbage. You'll, for only $9.95. Um, no. <laughs> and then you'll find on the other end of the extreme, somebody will come along. They'll have a webinar usually. So join the webinar. It's free. You'll get a lot of free tips. You'll get 10 free tips on how to, how to, how to publish and sell your books, and you'll sell thousands of copies. So you go to the webinar. They give you a few tips um, that are mildly useful. And at the end, they spend the last part of the, usually half of the webinar, selling you their product. Their product could be a $29 product, and their product could be a $10,000 product. Ignore those webinars. Don't go to those webinars. Just don't. Um, if if there's a webinar, don't go. <laughs> Just don't, because they're they're they they start off by and I hope I didn't piss off anybody by saying that, but webinars are traps, and I know because I've done them. One of the first things they do is, can everybody hear? Say yes if you can. So you all say yes in a little tight box. That's actually a scheme. They're actually trying to get you to say yes. Okay, good. So let's go. You know, does everybody understand? Yes. Say yes if you'd understand. So by the time the product comes 
is being introduced, you're saying yes a lot, and you're saying yes a lot. Now, are you going to buy the product? Say yes, and you've gotten hypnotized, and you say yes, and you buy the product. You didn't want to buy the product. You didn't care about the product, but you got hypnotized during the webinar, and you really did get hypnotized. Um, wow. Avoid, avoid webinars. Just avoid them. They're, they're always sales. They're, they're always going to end with a 30 to one, 30 minute to one hour long sales pitch. And there is a good chance that you're going to spend a lot of money that you, on a product you're never going to use and doesn't work. Mm. And I'll, I'll, I'll add a little note to that. Occasionally you'll run into a webinar that has a product that is useful. And it okay. happens. But it's so rare and occasionally those webinars will have some tips that are really good. They usually have one or two to draw you in, but the trap that they set is so profound and so enticing and so hypnotizing that you will lose. <laughs> if you've got a credit card anywhere near you, you will lose. <laughs> they're that bad. <laughs> they're, they're that clever. And they have, I, I mean, I've, been in with all these affiliate marketers and been talking to them and you know I was in I, I probably bought thousands of dollars with the products that I are sitting on my hard drive just sitting there and some of them are probably valuable and some of them are not but I wish I had the money so avoid right. webinars avoid scams and not all webinars are scams don't let me say that right webinars are good some products are good but the point is is that how are you going to know how do you know? You don't. So if you if you want to get trained on how to write, then go to an accredited place and get trained on how to write. Go to a college, go to a university, go to an online group, um, go to an online school and learn how to write. Don't go in through a webinar. Uh, if okay. you're going to uh, you want to learn how to sell books, go to an accredited place to learn how to sell books. You might have to do some research. Don't go in through a webinar. The webinar or sales funnel is another thing that they do where you, you, you go into this funnel and it has this long page that tells you, um, I've written a, a ton of these, you know, they're, they're standard marketing funnels where you start off and you stress the pain, you know, or you can't sell your books. And then they, well, I know I can't sell my books either. I had that problem too. But then I solved it with this great product and you can get it too. And a free Ginsu knife, <laughs> if you're old enough to remember that one. <laughs> and I just talked and talked and talked. So anybody have any questions? Yes, I'm going to ask. Um, my question is the following. In regards to, I know there's a series of books that say, like, how to, these are in the category of self-help. And they say things like, how to um, be a successful uh, author or self-published author. And, it, and then it says on the end, for dummies. And that's the title of the book. Uh, have you ever read any of those books? Yeah, the dummies books the dummy come under tend a to be pretty different. Yeah, a lot of different uh, subject content areas. The dummy, but it says for dummies, the, yes. The dummies books tend to be pretty good. Also, the training okay. of Writers Writers Digest is pretty good. Okay, Writers Digest. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they have some really good training courses and things that you can take. They're not super expensive, and uh, I've taken a few of them, and and they they seem to be pretty valuable. They've done, they've given me value, and most important of all, you don't have to go through any salesy junk to get to them. You just go to the page and it's the catalog. Okay. So, just if you yeah. see salesy junk, you know, you're, that, just be aware. Be aware that be you aware. have to be cautious. Okay. Um, as for now, I had a friend of mine that said to me, "You can do a consignment with even a gas uh, station and have several copies." And they said they noticed that there's this one gas station off of the um, a main interstate. Uh, and a lot of people tend to go to this gas station a lot. And so they talked with the manager and they was able to get a few copies of their book sold in that particular uh, gas station. And they said, if you start off like targeting uh, areas of high traffic, where you notice a lot of people tend to go into these stores and buy things, um, that that's a, a, a good way of selling, of increasing your book sales, aside from just having them in a bookstore, a brick bookstore, or an online bookstore. So I just wondered if yeah. you ever did something like that or considered. Yes, I did my, my coloring books I did in some local cafes because they have mm -hmm. a lot of children to go in to eat, and that did okay. The downside is you have to buy them first. So you buy like 50 yeah. copies and then you and then you work with say your roadside gas stations in the area um, mm -hmm. and then they might they might sell five copies the second downside is you have to accept returns so they get okay. a percentage so let's say you have a book for 10 bucks and you bought them for two dollars off Amazon 250 um, so you've got so you spent 25 bucks uh, 250 bucks for 100 copies. So now you want to find the local gas stations and you sell them for 10 bucks. So you, you've got 750 profit. So you're going to have to give them half and you're going to have to trust them kind of and you're going to have to accept returns. So if it doesn't sell, they'll, you'll take the books back. But with mm -hmm. all those caveats there, um, first of all, buying 100 books is, um, well, I mean, if you can afford to buy 100 books and sell them, that's great, you know. Spread them around. It's not going to hurt. Uh, right. You could also try giving. You could also try giving them to your local libraries, and that probably won't sell you a few copies. There are there are ways to get them in libraries, and we're not going to get into that here. But there are there's mm -hmm. actually a course on how to do that online. It's actually pretty good. It had, it, and I got in through one of those webinars. It's funny, but that course actually turned out to be pretty good. Um, oh. they, have, they had a big old long webinar on it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually trick the webinars. I wind up recording them and then just skipping skipping everything that I don't want to listen to. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, go ahead. Next question. Yeah. Um, so we have about 10 minutes, and I'll just uh, ask this question because I'm sure there are those who are listeners. We have an audience. They work in the evening on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So they can hear it. They have their, their plugs in their ears while they're working. Um, one of the persons wanted to know, in the, in the instance that they wanted to um, kind of test 
their work on the on the live audience. So they considered going to an open mic and just reading a few lines of the manuscript before the book is released or published. Would that be something you would recommend them to do as an unknown writer? Not you know, a writer who's established or they have a following yet. Um, go to writing critique groups, uh, and you can also find other groups on meetup.com. You can find open mic groups on meetup.com, I'm sure. Um, just go to meetup.com and search for things, and you'll find some groups that can do that. Open mics is, they're probably not the right audience, but they might be, especially if you're poetry or something like that. But there's mm -hmm. all kinds of groups that you can find. It's a good idea and concept. Uh, um, and if you want to learn to speak, I highly recommend Toastmasters. Um, I've done Toastmasters a bit, and it's quite fun to go there and speak to people. I couldn't even get up on stage until I went there and got over overcame the fear of being on stage. So Toastmasters can be very helpful. But yeah, it's not a bad idea. Um, I'm not sure. I've never actually been to an open mic, so I, I wouldn't know how well it would work. But oh, okay. you, you have to find the right audience. Right. I agree to that. Um, and I just wanted to ask the question for them. The other question would be in reference to um, a person who has professional writing uh, background. They've written mm -hmm. as, as a freelance writer. They've written for local papers or magazines. Um, and in regards to them writing a novel, for the first time and not really having done a lot of the creative writing per se, uh, but they are very well skilled as for technical writing. Would you recommend that they would take writing courses first? Yeah, I would I would tend to start with a couple writing courses at the local junior college or something mm -hmm. to that effect. Maybe Writer's Digest has a whole bunch of good courses that are very inexpensive, um, something like that. Um, just start, you don't need a lot. You just need to learn how to write. And what you want to find is things that actually make you write. Writing critique, group, critique groups are great okay. for that. Okay. Highly recommend those. And uh, just write and read a lot. Read a lot. If you're going to write science fiction, read science fiction. <laughs> and you'll learn to write better. Mm -hmm. I agree. Thank you. Um, so in reference to someone that needs a writing coach, uh, they have an outline as for an idea of what they want the book to look like from the front cover to the back cover and chapters and so forth. Um, would you recommend that if this is someone who's becoming an author for the first time, would you recommend that they should uh, refer to a published work that's already written or should they just get their feet wet, test the waters and learn via trial and error? Well, I am a writing coach. That's one of the things I offer if somebody wants somebody needs those services, contact me and I can help. But I've had mm -hmm. several clients who they, they wanted to come in and write a novel and they were first time novel people. And 
Um, with one of them, I recommended uh, let's stop the novel and instead let's write a short story. So he okay. wrote a short story, and it took a lot less time. And we were able, it was just uh, 3,000 words. So it was, it was a relatively short story. And he learned, we were able to learn a lot faster. So the, a novel was turning out to be too huge for him. So we wrote a short story and then another one and another one, based in the same places, you know, the same universe and stuff as a novel. And then we wrote another one. And then finally he was able to, after I think three or four of those, he was able to confront the novel and we started on that. And we worked through that novel. But that's an approach that I, I've used successfully with, with clients before. Um, so with book coaching, what we usually do is a couple of, couple of one-hour sessions per week. For, um, and there's a certain charge per month. And we, just, we work together for that hour, two, two hours a week, maybe three hours a week, depending on you know, what you can afford, and, and um, work on your book. So we start from the outline, and then we go through each chapter. And mm. it's month to month, so you know if you decide, okay, I'm fine, I don't need any more. Well, then you, we part ways and you move on. Um, but we can go through, and I tailor it to be whatever anybody wants. If they need help with the promotion, if they need help with the book, they need help with the editing. Um, that's what a book coach does: is whatever is needed. That answered your question. Oh, very good. Um, and last but not least. The next question would be for those who are changing from one genre to the next, um, and they've never written the genre that they're in pursuit of writing, what would you recommend that they should do first as for preparation and readiness before thrusting forward and digging their heels in deep to write a book that is a specific genre that they've not ever written any book manuscript for before. Well, I actually have a goal to write in virtually every genre that I can find, at least one book. Mm -hmm. But I, first thing, I do is they're all written under pseudonyms, so every genre has a different name. So. Um, oh, okay. Because you build a brand under that name, so um, you know Billy Bob might be my, the Western. I'm, I don't remember what the pseudonyms are. But Billy Bob might be the Western one, and Sue Smith might be the romance one, and so forth. Um, you know, and, and Thor might be the Thor Smith might be the one for for mythology. And okay. what you got to do is you got to pick up a few books in that genre and read them, and you got to right. study this the category study the categories. Now, one thing that you can do to make it really inexpensive is go to Amazon and look at the look inside feature of those books. You don't have to buy them. Just look at the look inside and you'll be able to read a few chapters that way and get a feel for how the book reads. Look at the plots, look at how the characters work and just study the book and then write a few short stories and then write a book in that genre. That's what I do. And pretty soon you're in it. And you, then you do it right. and you move on to the next genre. <laughs> or write a series or whatever. Yeah, I love to genre hop. I call it genre hopping. I, I want to write in all the genres. Right. Uh, interesting. Um, genre hop. Hopping. Um, would you recommend for someone young that 
they're not sure yet as for an identity as a literary artist whether they sh they should go under a specific genre or not but they know that they have the gift to write and they have a creative mind and it shows through their written works uh what would you what would you recommend for them as for a genre that they should consider first writing under well whatever genre they like whatever they're reading with the exception of not fan fiction the problem with fan fiction is that if you're writing fan fiction like let's say you write a game of thrones story you can't publish it because game of thrones is owned by hbo and you can't publish it without their permission oh. they're not going to let you publish it so mm -hmm. Just avoid fan fiction. I mean, unless you're just practicing, don't even bother if you if you want to be a professional. Um, what you want to do is pick a genre that you like. Let's say you like science fiction. Um, science fiction stories with vampires in them. Write a book about that if that's what you like. The, because whatever you like the most, you read it. I'm talking reading, not movies. This is reading. Right. You're probably going to be able to write to write well, or at least get a good start on. If you've never read a romance, you have to learn what a romance is about. And it's going to be harder for you to write it. If you don't like romances, it gets even harder. Okay. Yeah. That helps. You know, pick That's one that you're, very one you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to ask you last but, uh, one more uh, question. In reference to urban legends, would you recommend, like, your younger age group um, – from 18 to 30 or 35, 18 to 35, I guess that would be like your millennials. Would you recommend that they should consider writing a blog first? Um, and not just, um, you know, a specific genre or novel? Well, what I would recommend is starting from something not so hefty as a novel. Start from Let's say you wanted to write a novel about, um, you know, a romance novel that's that's um, vampires versus werewolves in an alternate universe. That's great. Pick a pick a theme in there and write a short story. The reason mm -hmm. is is a short story you're gonna you're gonna be able to write much quicker, more quickly, and you'll be able to to go through the whole process. Then write another one. Then write another one. Then start on your novel. And make sure they're in the same universe, the same area. So um, if you were writing Game of Thrones, um, you might pick one of the characters in Game of Thrones and write a little bit, a short story about his backstory. You know, who is Bran and how did he get to be who he is? And then you might write another story about the fight, the fight here and there. So, for, so pick, if, you, if you're going to do your novel, start from stories. And you can even sell those to magazines and things. Maybe you can't. Maybe that you know, but you'll, you'll, if you're brand new, you need to build that skill, and a great way to do that is the short stories. The thing about a short story that makes them more interesting to start with is you have to write much tighter. They're short. A novel, you got lots of room, and especially for their first, second, or third novel, they tend to get, they tend to put in a lot of subplots and things that really aren't needed. Um, 
shorter than a show. You don't have time for that. You don't have the space, so you, you stick to the plot. And it kind of teaches you to write a little bit tighter, a little bit better. Start with your short stories. That's my recommendation. Start you don't even have to choice. publish them. Just write a few. Okay. I mean, in fact, you can take those short stories. Say you write, say you write 10 short stories. And then you find, think, okay, fine, I'm good enough now where I can write the novel. So you write the novel. You publish the novel. It becomes a minor hit and you sell a few thousand copies. Now take those 10 short stories, go back and polish them, and publish them as an anthology. You've already got them, might as well. Mm -hmm. That'll be easy because you've already written them. Okay. Like Larry Niven used to do that a lot. They have um, a lot of um, books that are collections of their short stories. Isaac Asimov also. Some of the old grades. Very good advice. We, um, it's a little quiet in the chat room tonight. We did get a lot of people uh, that said they will be joining shortly. I think due to where I am in the city of Philadelphia, due to this night being super a uh, super Tuesday or an election uh, night, we have a lot of people that are kind of going to straggle in uh, at the next, within the next hour from nine till 10. So at this time, what I'll ask you to do, um, because we're wrapping up and you did give us some extended minutes and we appreciate it. If you can provide uh, Richard for us, um, any updates, if you're running any specials on any of your books, um, uh, classes that you teach that are online writing classes or courses, if there's any specials running or just in general, uh, provide us with your information, how we can register for online writing courses that you teach that are fiction, uh, writers classes, and also your contacts that are social media contacts. Yeah. I want to make sure everyone has okay. access to corresponding with you off of the show, of course. And again, we want to say to you, thank you. You've been such a great uh, asset to the exceptional show and so many can't thank you enough if we had billions or millions we we would have no problem with compensating you <laughs> for all that you've uh -huh. done and all that you do but more than that we will never forget you and if ever you would like time to even just do an hour or a half hour um, segment, um, you know, whenever, the door of the show will always be open to you. And that well, being said, I just wanna say thank you. So now the mic is returned All into right. your hands and you can share about your writing courses, how to register and et cetera. Well, you can go to fictionmasterclass.com. That's fictionmasterclass.com. And you can download or purchase um, courses that I have. I have uh, several courses, each on a different genre, romance, etc., Fa fantasy and science fiction. So four different books that you can buy. Uh, also have idea books. So there's there's five books that have 500 ideas each. So if you wanted to write a science fiction story but you're not sure what to write about, you get the idea book. It has a couple of sentences per idea. And it'll it'll just give you that kernel of it of like oh yeah I could write a book about um, two unicorns that fall in love in the middle of a 
in the middle of a war, you know, whatever the idea is. Um, and th those are very helpful. Um, and then I've got a book on what the difference between show and tell is and with lots of examples. And some other books too. So you can go there and get those. They're, they're relatively inexpensive. And if you go to one, one, the number one heck of a website.com, so the number one heck of a website.com, all courses in a bundle for around $100. Uh, that's, uh, I think, 10% um, uh, or something like that of what it normally costs. So if, that's not going to be for much longer, so pick that up if you want to get everything. The others, but if you want to get them individually, you can go to fictionmasterclass.com. Um, and you can go to the writing king, thewritingking.com, and there's a contact form there if you want to talk to me. And if you wanted to, um, say, hire me for, for book coaching, you could contact me through there. Or if you wanted to discuss something, um, I'm always happy to have a 30-minute you know, conversation if they want a little more information about something, and we can talk. I always love to talk to writers. So feel free to contact me, and we can chat. And that's the best way to get a hold of me is off the websites. Okay. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Warriors Queen, do you have any uh, questions, comments, or remarks for the Writing King? This being his final episode on the panel of the Exceptional Scribble Show. He has, of course, um, given us a lot during the time that he was a part of the panel. We appreciate all of his dedication, commitment, and the wonderful good resource information provided. But of course, um, as busyness, we know all about that. And when you become successful mm -hmm. and you don't have the time to do all of the things that you once did, him a do only to carry on and that he continue on the road that lies ahead for him, which is definitely a successful one. We um, So tonight, I just wanted to let you know that if you have any uh, questions for him and comments or remarks in reference to writing, now's the opportunity to ask or to just tell him. Thank you. All right, Wando, stage poet, and how are you tonight, Richard? I'm doing well, thank you. And uh, so tonight is your last night, you know, for or an exceptional scribble, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I remember when you had told about um, the e-books, you know, at the library. Each time the e-books is uh, given to the library, mm. that you make royalties from it. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. That's information to know, and then. Um, when you was, uh, you know, uh, giving out your website and your contacts, you're not, you know, gone. Without that, you know, people will know how to, you know, still contact you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just go to my website and there's a form there and just go ahead and contact mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. That's all I have to say. Okay. okay. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. So at this time, you're welcome. Till our next time, of course, peace and blessings, best of success, and we won't forget you. Don't forget us. Okay. My pleasure. All right.
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Talk to you later. You're welcome. And have a good Bye -bye. evening as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we're now and we are transitioning to the free publishing tips hour, where the co-host of the exceptional scribble show, Warrior's Queen Deporah Thelman, is in the spotlight. And again, this is another terrific Tuesday, May the 21st, year 2019. In the city of Philadelphia, we're calling this another Super Tuesday because there's been an election for the 2019 city council and um, so many city uh, official offices. And we're just hoping that everyone did the right thing. And of course, that would be to vote smart. And we're looking forward to finding out how things went for those that did. Vote. So um, I'm going to ask Warriors Queen, did you vote today? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. That makes two of us, Warriors. <laughs> that makes two of us. And how did you feel about voting in this primary election in the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Well, you know, this time when I had went to vote and I was, you know, looking at the names and First, I was, you know, doing analyzing and listening to what the candidates were saying. You know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then I had to be a hunter-gatherer, you know, for just uh, reading these candidates, you know, biographies, you know, what they're doing, not their biographies, but, you know, reading their, being a hunter-gatherer, you know, for their information. Right. And listening to what they were saying. And I did, you know, uh, I looked at the ballot slip that I was given, and then I was, mm -hmm. you know, um, picking and choosing. Okay. And after I was done making my choices, you know, I went to the ballot and I pressed the buttons, you know, for the candidates, and that was it. Excellent. Excellent. I want to share, mm -hmm. I want to thank Attorney uh, Michael Cord because Attorney did provide a list mm -hmm. of candidates that he had done his own study and research about from past mm -hmm. to present or current uh, day. And he was yeah. able to suggest for those that may not have done the research on their own, uh, candidates that he knew right offhand that would be the better candidate to vote for. So I do wanna personally mm -hmm. uh, give a shout out to attorney Michael Ford here in the city of Philadelphia, state of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. You definitely have yeah. uh, provided um, everyone everyone that was willing to adhere a list of candidates that were prime and yes legitimate candidates to vote for in this 2019 uh primary election so thank you so much yes i want to add michael court aka say that again i said i want to you know add about michael court aka Michael X, as he calls himself. Yes. <laughs> okay. And he also goes by the moniker um, Turner with a law degree. <laughs> Wait, repeat that? He also goes by the moniker um, Nat Turner with a law degree. Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So if you're looking for someone to compare them to, there it is. Nat Turner with a law degree in the 22nd century. <laughs> so, yeah, big shout out to him. Very big help to us all as for helping us mm -hmm. to choose the right candidate. One that, yeah. um, you know, we can say we share like uh, mm -hmm. with. Because I think that's key. You want to uh, vote for someone who represents the ideals and affirms them the same ideals that you um, affirm, you know? So yes, he did yeah, help me. Yeah, this is Warriors Clan. Want to add, have your best interest at heart. That's right, and that's excellent. Mm -hmm. Thanks for adding that. Mm -hmm. That's the one to vote for. The one that has our best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. Well, Warriors, the mic is in your hands. Give me about two minutes. I just have to uh, do a quick uh, flash, and I'll be right back. <laughs> Hava, all right. So Warrior is Queen. I'm back. Yes. Welcome back. Yes. And what did you what did I miss? Mm. Uh oh you didn't miss anything. We were just I was just waiting for you to return. Oh, um, whenever I have to do a flash, uh feel free to just mm -hmm. go on and then I'll I'll chime in uh where I can fit in when I return. Yeah, you don't have to uh, delay your hour from for sake of my absence because I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. I'll do that. Do that for the future. Sure. All right, get started. All right, good evening. Asta Anoi Nigadon. Good evening, everyone. I am Warriors Queen Zipporah Thelman, co-hostess for the Exceptional Scribble Show, episode two sixty one, for Tuesday, May the twenty first, twenty nineteen. And I want to add that this month makes six years that I've been co-hosting with Sage the Page Poet on Exceptional Scribble Show. Yes, that's right. Six years. Um, and I want to say to you, it's been a pleasure 
having you as mm -hmm. the co-host on the Exceptional Scribble Shows panel for these six years. And I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to what is next. I know we're soon to begin our television broadcast, which will be featured on YouTube. So that'll mm -hmm. come uh, via YouTube Live. And that will be soon. That will definitely be this year. We're looking at starting that this year. So ladies and gentlemen, continue to tune in. We will have updates for you and the updates will inform you as to when exactly that extension of the Exceptional Scribble Shows radio broadcast will start. So we're gonna cover both spectrums very soon. It will be radio and television. And during the radio, uh, feature, we will always have a special guest in the spotlight for a full hour. And then the additional hour, we will have an open forum discussion and have some artists that will perform. And of course, we will always cater to the indie or independent artists. And we want to make sure that our local talent here in the city of Philadelphia is being noticed. We don't like that so many are unsung. So we're gonna use the show's platform as a backdrop to help promote them and to give them that stage and also to give them that home, away from home where they are well supported and welcome. So just putting that out there so no one's in the dark about what we're about to morph into doing next. And yes, we're gonna have artists from a variety of art discipline. So yes, the literary artists will be in the spotlight, but also artists whom are uh, creative, creative mind artists who uh, make things such as artists that build um, houses, artists that do what's called um, architecture, artists that create blown glass art, uh, from blown glass art figurines, blown glass uh, you know, furnishings to blown glass art, jewelry, and etc. So we're going to have a lot of artists in the spotlight that are contemporary artists and artists of a variety of discipline forms. We're going to have our mus musical artists, performance art artists, and name it. So keep us in mind. Don't forget us because we're about to explode into doing some new projects. And I'm excited, I'm thrilled because we've been kind of just strictly only doing radio for some time now. When you consider six years, that's time, that's time in. So we had time to make mistakes, time to refine uh, what we were doing, time to uh, do what we were doing better and smarter. So. Be with us, stay with us, continue with us because we're about to go to a new level. Yes, we're gonna do something new. So don't leave us now. <laughs> Hold our hand. Mm -hmm. Hold on tight. We wanna take you with us on this ride. And we promise you it's gonna be a safe flight. Even though, of course, with any ride, you're gonna have some turbulence, but we guarantee you this, <laughs> we're in it to win it. So with the little turbulence that will come, it won't be enough 
to make us not want to continue on taking flight because we're in this for the long haul. We want to thank you for choosing us weekly because this is a weekly broadcast to encourage you, motivate you, uplift you, entertain you, provoke you, incite you to think and to think um, <laughs> at a higher level than you possibly were thinking prior. And also to open your mind to think outside the box so you can consider other options and, and, and other ideas or ideals aside from your own. Because remember, this universe is bigger than just one planet, one solar system. There's a lot more, a lot more. So let's learn about it together and discover what's beyond our eyes sight you know what i'm saying there's a lot more to this thing called life than what we can see there's the unseen okay and that's vast <laughs> all right so we were saying i don't want to sound too much like the twilight zone <laughs> but i must say I about... <laughs> but you know what i'm yeah i wouldn't about... call that bad i would call it scary yeah Unknown is I, I'm thrilled about this new Twilight Zone that is beginning. I am just so thrilled from the gentleman who's going to be hosting and so forth. You know, it's good to see even um, Jordan Peele. Yeah, Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, yeah. when we think yeah. of him, we think of shows like Get Out. <laughs> I mean, movies. Mm -hmm like Get Out and also Us, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot to consider when you say that name, Jordan Peele, <laughs> mm -hmm. but. Oh yeah, Jordan and Keenan Peele. and Phil. <laughs> I'm sorry, Keenan Peele. <laughs> yeah, but Jordan Peele's uh, Twilight Zone, ladies and gentlemen, you definitely want to check that out. Um, this is, Mm -hmm. An American anthology web television series developed by Simon Kimberg, Jordan Peele, and Marco Ramirez, based on the original 1959. Think about that. It was 1959 and, and Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, that was during that era with the Twilight Zone. And now we're in a new day, a new millennium quickly approaches and we're talking about the twilight zone and it's a whole new time let's support this i think it'll be well worth seeing for those who have been supporting kudos and again this is a um web television series so you gotta have you know the um access internet cable satellite in order to view it but you know what i think you can rent i think it's available for those that do red box still we have some that um do uh other than that you talk about netflix or what have you but i would definitely recommend the series and especially if you want to write fiction and suspense novels um i would recommend that you watch a couple of episodes of the twilight zone it will help trigger your writing <laughs> and incite mm -hmm. you to write well 
very well in 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 that genre as for suspense okay so that's just some advice from Steve, the page poet and host of the exceptional scribble show that's my signature and take my advice i promise you i don't ever want to steer you wrong and that's my disclaimer <laughs> mm. Yes, you must invite this, uh, this warrior's queen before. You must tell disclaimers or you will cause bad effects. Let's mm-hmm. <laughs> ask what's his name, Orson Welles. That's what I was. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. I am going to start the free publishing information hour. And the beginning I have of my first three pieces of writing advice and discoveries, which are, number one, well-written stories are authors of this happiness writing them. And please repeat that. Sure. Number one, well-written stories are authors of this happiness writing them. So well-written stories are authors. Yeah, Did you authors say? Of, that's apostasy. Yeah. Right. Authors what? Mm-hmm. Happiness. Happiness. Writing Happiness. them. That's what I thought. Writing them. Mm-hmm. I agree to that because I know when I'm happy and I write something, mm-hmm. I'm most pleased with the end result. It it just satisfies me on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I think that happiness does matter. How happy I am when I write makes an impact on the um, the product, the output, the um, presentation. If I'm delivering it, meaning I'm reciting it. If I'm happy about what I wrote. It's going to come across. Somebody's going to sense it, feel it, smell it. One of the senses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about taste now, but I mean, sometimes they say I can taste oh, it. Goodness. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Delightfully delicious. Okay. <laughs> All right, see, so I'm moving on. Number two, don't let negative words control you. Ooh, good advice. Mm -hmm. Looks like we have Scott. And number three. Welcome. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No problem. We have a caller, and I'm just welcoming them. Welcome, caller from area code 340. You may introduce yourself. Tell us where you're calling hey. from. What's your name? Good night, good night, Francine. This is this is um, Nick. I'm Skysky Real oh. from the Virgin Islands. Yes. Hi, hey, Skysky. Yeah, good night, Sephora. Good night, man. A little late tonight joining mm. you. I said, yes, I said, I know you. 
Well, I'll say this much, a little late, but not too late. So you're still on time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's 9.30. It's still early. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Warriors Queen. Yeah, Warriors mm-hmm. Queen started off giving some wonderful tips. I'm gonna have her read the first two tips again and allow you the opportunity to give any questions if you have a question or any comments and remarks. So Warriors Queen, if you could restate those two tips, they were they're really good ones. I would love to hear Skysky's mm-hmm. response to them. All right, sure. Number one, well-written stories are authors' S apostrophe, happiness writing them. Mm. Oh, that's rather interesting. Mm-hmm. Powerful, too. I agree. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And the second one is don't let negative words control you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't let negative work work or, or word. words. 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 W O R D S. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. For real. For real, right? For real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could, could put a little stumbling block in your progress. If you, you, you lend your energy in that direction. Right. Yeah, that negativity and all that. Yeah. yeah, you got to, you know, like, leave, you know, tell it to leave you alone. or And don't even, like, think about it. Because once you have mm-hmm. it, uh, once it has your attention, and it starts to bother him. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet humility, humility, and tact, and in, in all all manners, when when you're out here, Miss Son, because it goes so many different ways, so many different misunderstandings, and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, so that's very profound that, that statement. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that, too. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm moving on to the third and final piece of writing advice. Aha moments scare writers because they are realizations that were showing and telling them to writers that did not understand. Use the moments to inspire that you're a that you're a canoe panel away. No, it's, all right, let me just start over. Aha moments scare writers because they are realizations that were showing and telling them to writers that did not understand. Use the moments to inspire that you're a canoe paddle closer to publishing and not to rush and mess up. Mm. 
a new pedal, huh? Yeah, <laughs> well one. <laughs> a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I had that experience today, and I had realized something, and I was writing, and I said, and that aha moment just hit me, and then everything became clear, and I was writing it down. Like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like physically writing it, Zipra? Yeah. Where were you on a train or something? Yeah, the connection. Mm. Uh, no, I was, you know, sitting at a table, and I was, uh, you know, sitting there writing, and then the idea, the connections, just, you know, like hit me, and I had put mm. them together, and I realized, you know, what they were saying, and I said, you know what, it just makes sense. No wonder. At the same exact moment, or it was a accumulation of certain things that um, manifested in, in one thing? Yeah, they were manifesting themselves as things were, and then they were, you know, telling me, you know, how to put them, where to put them, you know, in the parts where they belonged. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like just like a vibe, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. I I like the word vibe for this because it's something you mm. feel, and it's a knowing from within. So vibe would definitely be a good choice of word. Yeah, and then I want to add to one time I was writing, and I was just like bursting with energy. <laughs> As I wrote, mm-hmm. is it is it these special times when when you 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 guys who are writers write, or do, is it any time that you, you do you feel a feel a vibe and then go by that, or is there a time that you say that I'm going to allot these three hours to writing, or do you just wait for this this feeling? Hmm, good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Sage. Wow, um, Sage is going to answer that one. Because uh, mm-hmm. it, it encompasses a lot of things. It's like mm-hmm. when I cook, when I write, when I do art. Um, I'm moved to do all three of those things. Like, it's not like I just say, all right, one o'clock tomorrow. I'm going to cook. I mean, of course, you know, mm. you have certain times you, you cook, right? Like you cook your breakfast in the morning. You cook your lunch at lunch, midday. You cook your dinner usually in the evening, not too late. But I think it's like when you talk about art, um, it's soulful. Mm. So it's like mm. you're motivated. Something inspires it. Something motivates you to do it. So it's not like you just say at one o'clock, I'm going to write. Or at one o'clock, I'm going to cook this particular Mm -hmm. thing. Or at one o'clock, I'm going to draw this. Like something within, it is, you're quickened. Your soul, your spirit is moved. And then you do it. Mm -hmm. That's that's how it's been for me. I I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, every, every different. You know, you can't put 
every writer in a box. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm more of the soulful, spiritual, inspired type mm-hmm. of an artist. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting, Francine. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, um, as for writing, mm. uh, some of the best hours to do like a lot of research and study for me as a writer, if I had to write on a specific topic, was between mm. the hours of 11 and 2 a.m. Mm. Nocturnal kind of vibe? Yeah. Nocturnal. Quiet. That's definitely yeah. not turn. Yeah. Who, who? Yep, the moon. And yeah. especially Ow, yeah. now I will say <laughs> as for the moon, as for the moon, we just had um we had the uh it's called the uh flower moon, the full the full moon that was the flower moon, and then we had the, the waxing gibbous that's like a full moon, but the fullest of the moon, I believe that was the 20th, I think, the 19th or the 17th, 18th. The 18th or the 19th that just passed. And I was able to actually see it close. And I mean, I took, I didn't want to take a picture of it. I wanted to videotape and just kind of talk about how beautiful it was to see the moon in that glory that I saw in it. I think sometimes um, just beholding the celestial bodies, like the stars, the planets, you know, when they're in view, you have a telescope and you can see Venus um, and some of the other beautiful planets. And just kind of, that to me also inspires and motivates. That to me, I'm gonna do something artistic or creative with my hands. Um, so nature itself, I think, motivates and inspires you as well in different events mm-hmm. that occur within nature. Mm-hmm. Like the spring, I know right now is a good time for a lot of people who are writers. Um, during the spring is an excellent time to write, to start a novel even, and to mm-hmm. get started with writing a manuscript or a book. Mm-hmm. A new beginning. Yeah, yeah, because na- like nature itself is, you know, everything's stirred up. So I think we also coming from the earth, um, that's mm-hmm. that's a prime time to to start something new. I agree. Mhm. And especially builders, like, you know, it's not just writers, you know, if whatever you do with your hands, maybe you're a sculptist, you know, you sculpt things, maybe you build things, Um, you know, whatever your gifting is, uh, this is just a really good time to start it. If it's a project, something new that involves you working with your hands, I would definitely recommend, you know, now's the time to, to start projects that are new. Start launching. Mm. 
Yeah, we just had that full moon. It was it was beautiful. And a lot of energy. I mean, I found mm-hmm. I find usually when it's a full moon, um, you do have to kind of tame your soul. You do have to tame mm-hmm. your soul. Because it's like all this energy, you feel it. Like and and if you're not if you're not discreet and if you're not careful, you can get into trouble. <laughs> you gotta kinda like yeah, tame your yeah, your dark passions as well as your good ones. You gotta kinda yeah, like like be still, you know, because you right. like calm it down. Put that, mm-hmm. put that chain yeah. on you. Yoke yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, here's an example. Uh, no, sorry, Zipporah, Hello? sorry. No, no, sorry about that. Uh, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing was that it's just like uh, Shakira song, She Wolf. <laughs> SOS, she's in the sky. That. <laughs> SOS, she's in the sky. There's a she wolf in the sky. Coming out, coming out, coming out. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can get in trouble, seriously. All that energy. <laughs> I- Remember? <laughs> keep in mind, keep in mind, it's not fully gone yet. We still got two weeks for it to 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 go, and then the new moon comes up. You know, I can tell that. I can kind of tell it. Yeah, especially women. Not to say it's not all humanity, but women, you can kind of feel that peak. Like you got to really kind of control your soul, like kind of tame your soul somewhat, because a lot of emotions are stirred during that time. Like it's like mm-hmm. at the highest, highest peak. So you do gotta, you know, be aware of that. Even when you're writing, it's a good thing because you can release some of that energy, and it's a creative yeah. outlet. You mm-hmm. know, you're you're creating something, you're making something, um, and it's mm-hmm. something you know that can turn. I mean, it may be, be a bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> channel your energy yeah channel your energy into a creative outlet yeah because you're going to have a lot of energy it's high energy for the next what 10 12 days so yeah 14. <laughs> mm-hmm, 14. 28, days. 28 days in a month yeah yeah, whatever your 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 creative flow is, um, kind of channel your energy into that because you won't get in trouble into trouble or mischief <laughs> doing it in that route, going that route. That's true. That be the yeah, medicine. try not to be idle. <laughs> try not to be idle because your mind can go whoa, whoa, whoa. You can really go. You guys are bad you guys misbehaving tonight? <laughs> no, no, I'm just preaching. I'm, uh-uh, I'm testifying. No. I'm telling the truth. Oh. 
You trying to save some souls tonight. (laughs) Even if our soul, what's that saying? Even if your soul is the only soul saved, you trying to save some souls tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we won't get in trouble. Well, exceptional scribble show, you know, save the page for and worry, squeeze the poor. Someone told us to do this. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's good Skysky called in because he brings the balance. Yeah. You have the um yeah. feminine and the masculine energy flowing. It's not too yeah. much feminine with all this uh, high energy from the full moon. So this is good. Yeah. Like we have Richard on. Mm-hmm. For the first hour, we have Skysky on, so we're keeping that balance. <laughs> uh, boy, number uh, uh, this is Warriors Queens of Four, and my my third piece of writing advice. I did not mean for it to be the butterfly effect. The second one. I like the second one too. That was really strong. Mm. Thanks. Yeah, but it was the third one that uh, came out with the whole moon thing and you know, channeling the energy go you know into your creativity. You know to keep you from getting mm. into trouble because mm. you can't tell on it. If you get into trouble, it's not like you can say, "Well, the full moon made me do it." Lock them up. Mm. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> You can't, that's why you can't blame it on the moon. You can't blame it on the moon. <laughs> am, I, nope. am I the only one that's a water sign in this group? Or any of you guys water sign? Cancer or any? Yeah, I'm a, Pis- yeah. I'm a Pisces. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you feel it, man. You feel that moon. Give it the real way. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, you know. It's very, very powerful for water sign people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh. In a different kind of way, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to fire and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, energy travels, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, wow. <sighs> All right, well, this war is clean to pour, and I'm moving on with the free publishing information hour for those of y'all just tuning in. All right, and I'm going to move on to the next section, which is publishing information. To uh, I have three articles to read, and they're short. All right, the first one is titled Juggling Act. How I Work on Multiple Manuscripts at Once by D. Poirier, dated May 6, 2019, from writersdigest.com. While curating the Breaking In debut author's column for the July-August issue of Writers Digest, WD editors were impressed to hear that Next Girl to Die author D. 
spelled D-E-A, Poirier, was working on four manuscripts simultaneously, all after completing her debut novel. We asked Poirier to share a few tips with you on how she manages multiple manuscripts at once. See the July-August issue of the magazine for an interview with Poirier about the writing and publishing process of Girl of Next Girl to Die. Pardon me. If five years ago someone had told me that not only was my debut going to launch in 2019, but I'd also be balancing four separate manuscripts at once, I'd have told you that there was no way that would happen. But here I am. Mm. Let me start this post disclaimer. This is my own process, and it may or may not work for you, and that's fine. We all have our different quirks and methods. No method is right or wrong. In late 2018, I had four manuscripts that I was balancing. This is something that I didn't think that I was even capable of. However, all of these ideas just started to fall out of me, and I didn't have much choice. All at once, I was editing the follow-up to my debut, Next Girl to Die, writing a young adult historical fantasy, editing an adult historical fantasy, and plotting a middle-grade fantasy novel. After over 10 years of writing, I found that for me, it's pretty easy to pick up projects and put them down at this point. My projects are all so different that there is no overlap in my mind about the ideas. It's as if each idea is its own planet and seg- own planet segmented inside my brain, safe from other ideas. And that sentence I recall outlines. But there are some methods that I have to let me, let, me, let me reread that. It says, if each idea is its own planet segmented inside my brain, safe from other ideas. And this is uh, Zipporah's viewpoint. Uh, there, that sentence is called outlines. I was telling the difference that this is me saying it and not the author. But there are some methods that I have to my particular brand of madness. Outlining. The moment I get an idea that I feel has merit, I make a note in my phone and get some and get down some initial details. If after a few days I still feel strongly about the idea, that's a key sentence, I write a rough outline. For me, the outline of phase covers each every chapter, the major plot points that occur in each chapter, as well as anything else relevant to the characters that I want to display there. Getting the bones of the story down helps me to determine if I want to move forward, and it also gives me the ability to easily shift to the idea once I'm ready. Drafting. When in a drafting phase, a.k.a. the garbage fire begins phase, I use my outline as a checklist to write the book. I go chapter by chapter and write out every scene. I try to write 10 to 15 pages per day. If I have to stop writing... I leave myself a note summarizing everything I wrote and where I left off along with what I need to write next. This makes it much easier for me to pick up a project after a few days or weeks if I had to pause for some reason. Editing. While editing, I try to only work on one project at a time. I find it difficult to shift gears jumping from editing one project to another, but many times I get no choice in the matter. 
Sometimes my developmental edits come out in the middle of my edits on another draft. This is why I now start every editing phase with an editing outline. The editing outline breaks down every chapter I have and lists all my major changes for each chapter. Along with my editing outline, I keep a running list of any other issues I encounter while in the middle of my editing phase. So far, that has worked for best for me. Documenting where I am and what I've done in each of my projects simplifies the process of picking up, picking one up and putting another down when necessary. It's always good to have more than one dragon in the fight. Markets change. Your creative drive might change. I've always found that I'm more comfortable when I have more than one project in mind at a time. It's important to always be writing, key sentence, to always be pushing yourself. But find a way that works for you, key sentence. The end of this article. About Dia Poirier. Dia Poirier is the author of Next Girl to Die, Thomas and Mercer, May 2019. She was raised in Edmond, Oklahoma, where she found her passion during a, create, during a creative writing course. She studied computer science and political science at the University of Central Oklahoma. She later spent time living on both coasts and traveling the U.S. before putting down roots in Central Florida. She now resides somewhere between Disney and a swamp with her husband, son, two dogs, and two cats. Follow her on Twitter at, at the Poirier Book. Mm-hmm. That was nice, Zipporah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here she was. We were talking about high energy, and then that article had something similar in it. <laughs> yeah. Connections. That's right. Mm-hmm. All righty, I'm moving on to the next article, which is titled, What It Feels Like to Get Your First Book Advance by Cassie Lip, dated May 13, 2019. And this is uh, also from writersdigest.com. Mm-hmm. Writers Digest editor, WD, Cassandra Lip talks about the combination of self-doubt and excitement that came along with her first book advance. Just shy of one year after I graduated from college with my undergraduate degree in English and German, I got the call from a photographer I recently connected, keyword, with telling me I was hired to collaborate with him on a book about Cincinnati's record stores, Queen City Records. I'll always remember where I was when I took that call inside the main branch of the public library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County, where I was elated that the book would one day live on the shelves. All right, that's the key sentence. It all happened so fast, although elated means made someone ecstatically happy. It all happened so fast. A journalism professor in the program I had just graduated from found a job listing asking for a writer to pin the words to a coffee table book about Cincinnati's record stores and shared the listing with alumni. I applied for the job with a few writing clips and Mike Spitz 
the photographer who had posted the listing, called me after a few days. He talked to my former supervisor at, at the student writer position I held in college, and one week later, I was writing a book that I felt I was that I felt was destined to be written by me. As part of our agreement, Mike sent me half of my pay upon my acceptance of the job and would send the other half once I was finished with the writing. I didn't care that the advance was coming from a photographer who was rather than a traditional publisher. I didn't care that I knew nothing about writing a book. I didn't care that the advance was only about $300. And I'm going to stop here and have a uh, viewpoint about the advance. Make over the advance check and spend when needed. All right, back to the article. I didn't care that the beef captor plate, CAFTA, plate I ordered at my celebratory dinner didn't agree with my stomach because my name was going to be on the cover of a book and I could say that I got my first book deal at 22. I thought this was a major accomplishment and so I remembered that Zadie Smith wrote White Teeth at 21. Of course, my mood wasn't all pure joy. I still had the lingering self-doubt that my writing was not good enough and that it would be bad luck to spend all of the advance. What if I sucked at the job and had to give back the money? Instead, I re resigned to only spend about $12 on two packs of socks because I knew because I needed new socks at the time and kept the rest of the money in my savings. During the six months that I was writing the book, I lived on babysitting money and freelance income from working as a copy editor for an outline content mill. Getting paid a rate of 80 cents an article, I still had to edit 250 articles each week at the same time as writing a book in order to earn enough money to cover monthly expenses. I never felt poor. I felt like a real author. I still haven't touched the money from my book advance because it feels too sacred. Every time I pull those socks out of my sock drawer, I think of how I wrote a book so that I might put them on my feet. Key sentence. The amount of self-doubt I had about the project was minuscule compared to how, with how excited I was get started writing the book and eventually see the finished product. So with no hesitation, I visited my local library again, this time to do some research, keyword, on King Records, which would be the subject of the book's last chapter. Looking back, I wasn't consciously working backwards. It was the part of the book that seemed the hardest to write since I didn't know much about King Records to begin with, and I somehow instinctively knew that tackling the part of the book that seemed the hardest to me was the way to start. Another method of my viewpoint, saying another method. After isolating all the unknown variables, asking myself, how do I write a book? How will I support myself while I am lost in this world of the book? What research materials do I need? I got to work doing what I already knew to knew how to do. In J School, J Journalism, and my short freelance writing career before the book, I had already honed, which means having been refined or perfected over a period of time, the art of the personal interview, asking the right questions, and telling a story through someone else's eyes. And our was, telling a story through someone else's eyes. I did this for each of the 14 record stores in the book with a few things different from all of the writing I had done before. 
the finished product will be put together and preserved as part of my city's history. My name will be on the cover of a book, and I was getting paid to write it. About Cassie Lip. Cassie Lip, spelled L-I-P-P, is the associate managing editor of Writer's Digest and the author of the 2017 book, Queen City Records, which tells the stories behind the indie record shops of Cincinnati and northern Kentucky. She teaches poetry writing for the University of Cincinnati's Communiversity Program and is a co-founder of Naturalized Publishing. Her hobbies include reading her poems at open mic poetry nights, practicing modern dance, and shopping at thrift stores. Follow her on Twitter at Cassie and has these numbers. I mean, um, these, I'm going to read the number of zeros, one, two, three, four, five, six. The end of this article. Mm, the, the, the key points were nice. Mm-hmm. Everything about this Wait, what was that? Good article. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Very informative, personalized. Yeah, there was a lot of work that was involved from the first two articles. Mm-hmm. You know, what the, the, the writers second, did. The, the second point that you pointed out uh, in this uh-huh. article, yeah, elaborate a little. It, it it was quite um. Where, where you paused and 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 said it was like a key area. Yeah, the key sentence. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when I find key sentences, you know, I you know mark them so I can uh you know I can read them you know to the public. Mm-hmm. And what they mean. What 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 made it magical in your eyes tonight? I would say like the word, you know, connected and you know, and she said where I was elated that the book would one day live on the shelves and oh. what was uh yep, on the shelves and then with the advance and I had known from mm. my research about advanced checks is that is best that you make over the advanced check. Mm. So say for example, you're given a one million dollar advance. And I had read that this has happened to an author that got a million dollar advance. And so you want to make, you know, over that million dollars. And that's like, you know, a bonus. <laughs> Showing, not a bonus, but here, let me use the correct word. It shows that the book, you know, has sold. Hmm. Okay, from that perspective. Okay, I see, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. So they give you an advance check. You know, and then when it makes over the advance, it's like, oh, you know, this is a good, you know, story. Right. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, and I'm moving on to the final and third article. And this is titled, let me get to it, How Book Royalties Work by Rachel Gardner, who is a literary agent. 
this is one of those basic topics about which you may be confused if you're just entering the world of publishing. You've heard the term royalties, but you're not quite sure how it all works. I'll try to explain as simply as possible. The concept of a royalty is that the author receives a percentage of the revenue for each book sold. The exact percentage can't be generalized because it depends on a variety of factors. The size of the publisher, whether it's a CBA or ABA house, the author's platform and marketability in each publisher's own criteria of which you may never be aware. Keep in mind that as technology continues to develop and publishing models change, this age-old royalty model is going to be changing too. Very soon it may be out of date, but this is the way it has been for decades. Most publishers pay the royalty based on the cover price or retail price of the book. CBA publishers, and I think CBA stands for Christian Books, I don't know what the A stands for, usually pay royalties based on the net price of the book, that is, the price at which the publisher sold the book to the bookstore. Royalty rates vary widely, so keep in mind I'm generalizing wildly here, but just to give you an idea, general market publisher's first-time author, hardcover royalty, 10% to 15% of read paperback royalty, 6.5% to 7.5% of retail. Mass market paperback royalty, 7.5% to 10% of retail. CBA publishers, first-time author. Hardcover or trade paperback royalty, 14% to 18% of net. Mass market paperback royalty, 8% to 12% of net. Here is a hypothetical example for a general market, not CBA, hardcover first-time author. Cover price, $25. Royalty rate, 10% of retail equals $2.50. You make $2.50 from every book sold. Let's say your advance was $15,000. That means you've already been paid the first $15,000 of your royalties. After you earn $15,000 in royalties, you'll start seeing royalty checks. How many copies do you have to sell to earn back your $15,000 advance? Answer, 6,000 books. $2.50 per book times 6,000 books equals $15,000 advance. After you sell 6,000 copies, you will begin to see royalty checks, $2.50 for every additional book sold. Here's a hypothetical example for a CBA trade paperback. Cover price, $13.99. Net price, $6.30, sold to bookstore at standard 55% discount. Royalty rate, let's say your starting royalty rate is 16%. 16% of net equals 16% of $6.30 equals $1.01. You make $1.01 on every book sold. Let's say your advance was $5,000. You need to earn $5,000 in royalties before you how many copies do you have to sell to earn back your advance? Answer, 4,951 copies. $1.01 times 4,951 equals $5,000. After you sell 4,951 copies, you will begin to see royalty checks. 
$1.01 for every book sold. This is vastly simplified to help you understand. Your contract will specify royalty rates for hardcover, trade paper, and mass market paper, as well as large print, book club, audio editions, electronic editions, etc. It will also specify the terms under which they'll pay your royalties, how often, how much they hold in reserve against returns, etc. I'm not going to explain all of this right now. Suffice to say, the royalties are not as simple as I've made them appear above. The end of this article. And it's, uh, the website is http colon two forward slashes rachelgartner.com forward slash howbook dash royalties dash works. Yes, and I, this is Words Queen Zipporah, and I want to comment and thank Sage the Page Poet when she has said about you should, uh, the highest royalty that you should get from a publisher is 70%. Mm-hmm. And, war, yeah, and royalty payments, yep. And then I would yeah. also add this Warriors Queens of Poor, I ask for, you know, an advanced check. Yeah, and I would listed. say, mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely say 70% as the lowest or minimum. Um, mm-hmm. 60, 40 to me is still not enough. I think mm-hmm. it should be at least 70% yeah. uh, writer getting the 70%. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I, I agree. Yes, there's a lot of hard work. I was thinking the same thing. It's a lot of hard work, and that's why you find books that are worth, you know, up in the millions and all, and as they should be because of the research and everything that was on the author's uh, hands. Right. That's it. It's mm-hmm. your sweat as the author. Mm-hmm. It's your sweat. It's your yeah. blood. It's your tears. It's your joy. Yeah, it's your energy. Yeah, all your mm-hmm. energy, your essence, your soul mm-hmm. is poured out on every page of that book from the front cover yep. to the back cover and all in between. It really is. Yeah, it's that time and energy that's invested, you know, into those into those words. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I would tell a writer, don't settle for less. They'll come at you 50, no. 50. 60, 40, mm-hmm. no, 70, 30, nope. <laughs> or higher, I mean, <laughs> 70, 30, or 80, mm-hmm. 20. I mean, if you can get 80, 20, if you can get 90, 10, <laughs> but definitely 70, 30, uh, yes, 70, 30. That's fair. It's only fair. Mm-hmm. It's only fair, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to encourage uh, writers to consider audible books as well. Have your book available in every format. Have it in e mm-hmm. book yeah. format. Uh, definitely, please have it in hardback as well as paperback. And mm-hmm. definitely have yeah, it and, and, audible too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is Warriors Queen's support. I want to add is that when you sell your subsidiary rights. Those are rights that include the audio, the film, 
you know, et cetera, you know, translation, all of those rights. And that's where, when I was told, this is where um, the writer's largest income comes from. Mm-hmm. It's just something, mm-hmm. translation. Yes, indeed. Have mm-hmm. it available in Could every language. question? Yeah, and yeah, who are you asking, Freisky? Yeah. I was just wondering if when, when you do an audible book, if the, the author himself does the, the, the dialogue or is it someone that you pay to do it? No. Because sometimes some people are not too good. It's somebody else. Yeah, it's mm, yeah, it's somebody else. So, but I don't know how it's picked, but I'm just telling you what I know. So you have to research, you know, who does the audio. Yeah, you're right. It usually isn't the author in most cases because a lot of times the author wants it to be someone who specializes in doing narrative uh, storytelling. So they'll hire someone that does that to read their story for them. Um, an example, Shamaya Bay, and, and I met him. He's a published author, awesome book too. Um, I met him through Warrior's Queens, Zipporah Thalman, and his book um, is an awesome book. I definitely recommend that to anyone that enjoys, yeah. um, you know, Supernatural touches on the supernatural. It touches on sci-fi. It touches mm-hmm. on real life uh, events about cultures mm-hmm. and heritage. Yes, the ritual. It, um, yeah. His book is awesome. Mm. Yes, I definitely recommend that, guys. He, um, a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I'm going to inbox you information about his book. It's an awesome read. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I, I don't really have Messenger, Francine. So oh, okay. It might be a little tough. Yeah. But, um, I appreciate it. Still, you know, um, anyway. Yeah, how can it now? Um, his mm-hmm. name is Shamaya Bay, and the book is entitled "The Ritual: How to Capture a Soul." Capture and and the book actually it takes place in New Orleans. Um, it's about a wayward granddaughter of a New Orleans mystic who refuses to use magic. She ignores her paranormal abilities to please her overly religious mother. She endures unbearable suffering for abandoning the divine science of her people, but she's forced to use the family ritual when the government discovers her supernatural secret. Awesome, awesome book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's available. And it's available in audiobook because he does have a a narrator who reads the story. Mm -hmm. And I listened to some of the chapters of it in audible book form. (laughs) The woman is awesome that does the reading. Um, He picked the right person to do the reading. Awesome. Check that out, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big shout out to Shamaya Bay, his book. I look forward to uh, Mm -hmm. interviewing him uh, this summer, during the summer. And I know he does a lot of, um, he does actual kind of like lectures. 
and he talks about paranormal events and he touches on that science um uh that that it has to do with the the supernatural mm -hmm. yeah he's devoted a lot of study and time to it so when you hear him talk about it like he's well versed um a lot of good information he even does a little dream analysis like for people that um, have a lot of dreams and they don't always understand them, mm -hmm. he can tell you what the hidden message is. But it's a science mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, it's a science to it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, this Warriors Queen, Zavara, speaking of, uh, I'm not going to call it supernatural, but the other day I was, uh, I was walking and I saw this black cat. So it looked at me, and then as I got near it, it ran away. When I turned around, it came back to a spot and was looking, it was watching me. <laughs> yeah, see, a lot of people, mm -hmm. and I'm be honest, they call them familiars, but some animals actually mm -hmm. are hosts. Like, there's actual souls of people that actually can enter into an animal, and they actually can, like, literally be inside of an animal. So sometimes when you think it's just a cat, or a dog that you're encountering, it could be an actual person, soul inside of that animal. And you'll kind of notice, cause you'll like look and you'll be like, wait a minute, that doesn't look like just a cat. That looks like so-and-so. It's like, you're familiar, mm -hmm. like they're familiar to you. I mean, this stuff is real. Like the supernatural realm, like a lot of things that are not easy, mm -hmm. For us, like if we just use our natural mind to try to to figure it out, we'll never get it. But there's a lot to the paranormal and supernatural realm that, yeah, it's a lot more than meets the eye. <laughs> that was uh, it. Reminded me of a picture I had seen somebody had put up of uh, they made a black cat look like Eric Killmonger from Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> with the glasses right. and all he was at the museum <laughs> I mean we all know there's certain traits that are really uh, you know outstanding about certain types of animals when you see an animal doing things that humans do question whether or not that's an animal that actually you know I, I look at is when you see animals copycatting human behavior, it means they watch the humans, and that's why they're able to do it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they they will study us and mimic, but then some something is just not normal. It's not you know for an animal to do. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, like somebody said, they had um, now catnips of cat's medicine, and they had the so they, there was a catnip uh, the herb that they had in their pocketbook. It was in someone's house, and uh, the cat was going into the pocketbook, you know, getting you know, wanting to get in the catnip. <laughs> uh, well, cats, I have to say, they're definitely souls. Cats are souls, and they are just in a category by themselves. As for mm -hmm. animals, very special creatures. 
very special creature. Mm-hmm. And they do talk. You um watch their eyes, their tail, like their body language. Something cats really don't have to. Cats are more <laughs> telepathic, and also they use their body to say things. And then even the way they, you know, when they're doing their calls and they're meowing. Like mm-hmm. if you listen up and you're in tune with nature enough, you can actually interpret what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And they're more companions to human than I think sometimes we are to them. Like they help us on many levels. Mm-hmm. Like if we're ignoring mm-hmm. something, watch how your cat does, mm-hmm. they go out of the way to get you to pay attention to things that you need to pay attention to. Whether it's a person, place, or thing, if something's just not cool, or if something is cool mm-hmm. and you're ignoring it, if you have a cat, they're gonna make sure that you're aware of what you need to be aware of. It's like mm-hmm. that's their duty mm-hmm. as guardians. Yeah, that's one thing I love about cats. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said that when the mail comes, the cat will go and uh, come to them and like nod their head towards. Dog. They think that the cat is a dog. <laughs> yeah, but they really are. They're very, very protective. Yeah, they're very protective guardians by nature. And they're very intuitive and they do communicate. They talk in many ways. But if something's wrong, a cat is going to let you know. If, if there's a predator on the loose, and it's not safe where you are in any way. A cat's going to let you know spiritually, physically. You're going to see a cat mm-hmm. in your dreams more than you see any other animal. Mostly every dream I had, when I needed to be aware of something, it was a cat mm-hmm. that manifested. It was a different cat every time. But one specific cat, and I named this cat when when a cat actually encountered me, Um. I saw that cat in a dream years before in the physical mm-hmm. plane I met that cat. And that cat has been just that, like a, a godsend. Mm-hmm. And that's what I named the cat. Well, you, you have it, right? Mm-hmm. First pet I ever adopted. No. But I saw the cat in the dream. This tiger striped cat and it was gray silver mm. gray tabby and the cat in the dream was warning me and showing me things and in real life that's how that cat has been that's not a coincidence i just think sometimes you have a soul mm. connection even with animals they are they're your guardian some are just mm. your guardian they're meant to be your guardian of life mm-hmm. i have 11 of them around me Mm. that's a good thing because they say even like if a cat comes into your house that's a blessing sign if a cat oh yeah yeah they're like so Mm. animals they say let them come especially if you're gonna move into a new place they say let a child or let an animal go in there first Uh. especially they're just very receptive and discerning, mm-hmm. they'll let you know if it's a good place for you or not. 
Yeah. And be like when I, uh, I told you before, I told a dream I had about that eagle outside of my window. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing though. You had a lot of dreams with with birds, right? Because wasn't it one that was in the yeah. bag? Yeah, you with you with yeah birds. the hawk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. And I know that yep, has a lot of symbolism uh, to it whenever mm-hmm. you see like birds. And those types of birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely for you to pay attention to the details in mm-hmm. in your dream. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, yeah. It's just like with speaking of birds, was that the bone collector with Denzel Washington in the beginning, where uh, that bird was outside of his window. It was a hawk. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, because that's kind of identical with your dream. Did you see that movie mm-hmm. before you had your dream? <laughs> you know how they say oh, sometimes. This is after. Oh, okay. okay. No, this is after. That was on top. It was after. Yeah, it can influence mm-hmm. our dreams. Mm-hmm. Remember in um, Man on Fire when he let go of that nice parrot? When he went into that room mm-hmm. and the parrot was there for so long? Y'all mm-hmm. remember that movie? Man on fire. Mm-hmm. I I remember parts mm-hmm. of that. I'll have to revisit that one. Mm-hmm. He's good but birds. birds, yeah. A lot of the movies he's in, mm-hmm. the birds. Mm-hmm. And we know with theater, Alrighty. yeah, it's always mm-hmm. symbolic. The theater, mm-hmm. uh, movies, drama, yeah. It's Symbolism has a very significant role. Symbols. Yeah, and before that, it was in reality. Some years ago, I remember seeing a hawk, and it was uh, it flew towards a fence, and it looked like it had like a small animal in its talons. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you have had a lot of dreams with birds. <laughs> you really have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I also, too, uh, not too long ago, this was different. I fought off another sleep paralysis. <clears throat> oh, whoa! Was that recent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was recent. It wasn't. Not, it was not. I think it might have been last week now, but now, it wasn't as severe. I was able to fight. Yeah. Yeah, I was told mm-hmm. if you have that, um, pay attention to what you see during those times, because sometimes. Mm-hmm. Something is trying to reveal itself mm-hmm. on a spiritual plane. Scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you write down what time it happened? What day of the week it no, happened? When, no, I didn't write any recordings because uh, I think what it is, I was able to, you know, like break free. An escape. Do you mm. think you know how many minutes it was in length? Was it seven minutes? It had to be like around like probably like five. Five minutes, yeah. It, yeah that it meant like, something. It wasn't able to. Huh? When you have, yeah, whenever you have time, like just spare time on your hands, mm. write down mm. 
all the particulars about that experience, like mm-hmm. what things happen, um, mm-hmm. if the room, if things turned a certain color, if you heard any sounds like the mm-hmm. wind, all of that is significant. Mm-hmm. If you heard um, uh, what time of the day it was, about what hour it was, um, mm-hmm. you know, all those things do matter. You want to mm-hmm. start recording when you have these experiences because it means something. Mm-hmm. And always blessing. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that. Sage, um, mm-hmm. pray over. Yeah. Have some sage and pray over it and sprinkle mm-hmm. it around mm-hmm. your bed, mm-hmm. under your pillow. Um, even blessed oil, um, pure. Mm-hmm. Make sure it doesn't matter whether it's coconut oil or olive oil. I'm, a lot of people mm-hmm. put emphasis on olive oil. It could be coconut oil. The main thing is have it blessed mm-hmm. by someone you mm-hmm. trust who is a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, have it mm-hmm. blessed and anoint like your door um, mm-hmm. over the, the post of your door of your room, your windowsill, mm-hmm. like any place where it would be considered an opening to come into your mm-hmm. your private space. Your you know your sleep. Yeah. Order. Yeah, I had yeah, and I have right, and I have dream catchers. Also, yeah, mm-hmm. and also like mm-hmm. any scripture, anything that's considered sacred, whether scripture, mm-hmm. stones, those are the things you want in close proximity to your bed, because that'll mm-hmm. ward off any negative vibrations too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I try to say like a blessing. You know, how people say they chant it. Um, I basically mm-hmm. just say a sacred verse or something like 23rd mm-hmm. Psalm. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He making me to lie mm-hmm. down in green pastures. Anything that is a word of mm-hmm. comfort, wisdom, divine mm-hmm. protection, um, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things you want to say. Yeah, before you go to bed, those are the things you want to say mm-hmm. in the air, mm-hmm. in the atmosphere. And, within your your room, your house. That's what you want mm-hmm. to speak out loud in the air and mm-hmm. open air. And then say mm-hmm. your blessing, your prayer, you know, and for protection, divine protection, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because it could be a spiritual attack, but also it could just be something from the spirit realm is trying to reveal itself or make itself known to you. And it wants your mm-hmm. attention. So it's it could be a messenger yeah. that's trying to come, you know, and give you a message of some sort. But main thing is you wanna um you wanna have your perimeter, your area, you wanna make sure that it's well guarded. So you wanna know mm-hmm. that your guardian angels assigned that they're on their post. Those are things you wanna speak out loud. Um, and that you have protection. Divine protection, mm-hmm. the Almighty, you know, that He watches over you and you have a peaceful rest, all those types of things. Was it was it the first time that, that happened? No, this will make the second time. All right. You know what? Actually this will make like the third time because the first time it happened it was a long time ago. And then the second time I think it might have been like last year. The the second one it was really bad that I, I couldn't move. And then mm-hmm. the third one, yeah. And then the third one, uh, it just only lasted about five minutes because I was able to break free. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, I used to hear people say stuff like, it's called witch board, and the witch is riding you, or <laughs> the devil's riding you back. <laughs> Here's a definition of sleep paralysis. Uh, go ahead. But those things are more common than people even know. There's some of us are, mm-hmm. you know, it's taboo. They don't, people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right, of course not, because it, 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 it disturbs them too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a definition of sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is a feeling of being conscious but unable to move. It occurs when a person passes between stages of wakefulness and sleep. During mm-hmm. these transitions, you may be unable to move or speak for a few seconds, up to a few minutes. Some people may also feel pressure or a sense of choking. Yeah. Now, to me, I wouldn't say that's a good thing. If you're feeling like mm-hmm. somebody's choking you, <laughs> nope. Mm-hmm. It has something to do with your breathing too. Mm-hmm. The rhythm of your breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to consider, though, because mm-hmm. I mean, you said it just happened how long ago? I think it was last week. Oh. Do you know anything about what day of the week it was? Uh, but it was probably, I'd say, a weekday. Okay. Middle probably, of the week? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, the middle of the week. It might have been like, you know, between like the middle of the week towards the end of the week. And I don't want to get too like, personal. You, I don't want to get too personal, mm-hmm. but... Was it during the time of your menstruation? No, I think it was. Uh, okay. It was last week. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the reason why I asked that is because during the time of a woman's menstruation or her cycle, um, mm-hmm. that's a time when she is very spiritually vulnerable. I remember uh, reading. Yeah, so you can have mm-hmm. a lot of spiritual encounters good and bad during that time mm. or have what they call visitations by good or evil mm. spirits yeah during that time you're at a mm. peak too during the time you're going through your menstrual because mm. that's an actual cleansing mm. physically mm. but also it's a lot that it represents and spirits certain kinds of spirits certain spirits are attracted mm. More attracted to you during that time okay. because of what's going on in your body, it symbolizes a mm-hmm. lot that goes on within Earth. Um, mm-hmm. so it is a time when you can have a you can you're more sensitive spiritually speaking to a lot of mm-hmm. spiritual events. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I was shocked when I read them. <laughs> I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they yeah, pay that's attention you to your dreams, uh, too. Yeah, For women yeah, to know that yeah, during that time, that. pay attention to your dreams. Yeah, and not only that, but I was um, like, this hasn't happened lately, 
I just be, you know, just seeing like these white lights, you know, coming from the side. I look and nothing's there, but then from peripheral vision, I see like these white lights just, you know, flying by. White lights, you know what those are. Those are yeah. definitely um, um, spiritual. They're, that's spirit. You're seeing energy. That's spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those energies, yeah. Now, where do you see them? Do you just start to see them in your room, or are they in a certain area? No, I. It, it, no, I mean, I could be like out, you know, in the public or somewhere, or someone's home. Oh, event. okay. Then you're. They just, you know, a period. Yeah. yeah your eye yeah. is open. That's that's all spirit. Mm. Your eyes mm-hmm. are open. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to mm, colors. Right. When you start mm-hmm. to see like colors around people, because mm-hmm. that's like a aura, that's energy. Yeah, spirit. I've seen that too. I've seen colors around a person. Yeah, and then yeah. I think on Monday I had, you know, I think that Monday it was really hot, and I was outside. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, I had became overheated because I was feeling like, like dizzy. You know, first my stomach had started hurting. And then all of a sudden, I was, like, starting to feel, like, you know, like, dizzy and all, and focused, and everything was becoming blurry. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, it's the, yeah, it was the heat, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do black strap molasses? Oh, yeah. When I, um, when I yeah, the black strap molasses, yeah, I drink that. Because that's good for women. Especially, be, mm-hmm. you know, if you're still menstruating, because a lot of times mm-hmm. if our iron is low, we have low mm-hmm. oxygen, low oxygen to the mm-hmm. brain. You can have dizzy yeah. spells, you know, mm-hmm. it can it can impact you in a lot of ways, even vision. Mm-hmm. So you want to kind of stay on mm-hmm. top of that. Yeah. Just make sure mm-hmm. your iron is up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always look good, you nothing know, like someone... deep. Oh. Whole beets. If you can mm-hmm. eat them raw. Do oh, yeah, beets. Yeah. Uh, beet. yeah. yeah and, if not, just make yeah. a drink with a whole beet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And throw in some turmeric and some ginger. Mm-hmm. And then do. Oh, you're honey. speaking of ginger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turmeric, Peanut butter, ginger. honey, sound it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of ginger, I had these, uh, these, it was these, um, what do you call them? These wheat crack triscuit characters. They're ginger and lemongrass. <laughs> oh yeah, stay in the stay mm-hmm. in the lemongrass. I heard a lot of good things about lemongrass. Mm-hmm. Stay in that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sea moss or um, any of the plants mm-hmm. in the water. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very. They're high in a lot mm-hmm. of good uh, minerals mm-hmm. and and things. Really good. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to comment when you said about. All right, go ahead. No, no, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, Yeah, yeah. What it was, I wanted to comment on the sleep paralysis when what you said, Sage, that maybe something like whatever the spirit is trying to like tell me something, but yeah. it was good. It wouldn't like hold me down like it did. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. then again, can I say this? This is something mm-hmm. that I had found out just doing some research on it. Spirits, when they go to great lengths or ex- extremes, 
to get our attention. Mm-hmm. They seem violent to us, but they're doing mm-hmm. what they can within their power to help mm-hmm. make us aware of something. So sometimes it's a matter of mm-hmm. just shutting out everything, closing your eyes and say, okay, you have my undivided attention. Um, mm-hmm. What is it that you're trying to show me? What is it that you're trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. So you're allowing them to know that I am paying attention to you. I am acknowledging that you're you're going to great lengths to try to get me to notice mm-hmm. something. What is it? Because it could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a warning, a forewarning. Um, it could mm-hmm. be a lot of things. So think about it, if you had a best friend, right? Or you had a good friend mm-hmm. and you were trying to get them to notice something because you knew if they continued to go in the direction they was taken or if they continued to be mm-hmm. where they were, then something negative was going to happen. Wouldn't you like scream, mm-hmm. yell, um, not something mm-hmm. over, yeah. like, you know, go mm-hmm. to those different lengths to get their attention. It's not like you're trying to hurt them. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to right. get them to pay attention to something. Right. Yeah, but then if you're holding life. down somebody to get their, yeah, but if you're holding down somebody, you know, to uh, get their attention, you're scaring them because they don't know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that part I would be um, concerned about. If you're feeling mm-hmm. like pressure, yeah. if somebody's choking you or somebody's holding me down, that's, mm-hmm. that's not it. But I mean, just if something's like mm-hmm. moving or you're like feeling like, you know, uneasy or something, then something's trying to get your attention. Something's present. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be a malevolent energy or spirit. It could just be um, a guardian soul, you know, someone that's transitioned, they're now answering. They're trying to let you know something. That something's not yeah, safe, you know, not right it, in your environment. Mm-hmm. Right. I um, I hear what you mean because I've been told about that, like a late relative had passed where my right was it passed and uh this other person was saying um like there was a um a noise by the oven and they said oh that's that you know that relative and what they were doing <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but i mean you know there's ways they try to get mm-hmm. our attention spirits will try to get your attention mm-hmm. it's not always negative but just like animals like you know you sleep in your mm-hmm. animals gonna wake and you may yeah. have forgotten you left something on the stove and, and it's burning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. somebody, that's what they had to go through. Yeah. And, you know, to get you awake because you're asleep. So the right. same uh-huh. sleep yeah. walkers. Mm-hmm. Something we're just not awake to yet. And spiritually, that energy is trying mm-hmm. to alert us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I up. have been, um, I, yeah, I read about that. It was a scary story about this couple who had lived in this house in like in the in the country. I think it was a farmhouse or something. But anyway, they had this dog that had died in the um, the first fire that they had in the house. Now the couple was away and they was um, they left the um, I think it was the wife's sister I think who had been uh, charged of babysitting their um, their infant son Thomas. So this dog came you know to the house. And I think his collar said midnight. And so she, um, the sister-in-law didn't know where the dog came from, so she let him in. Mm. And then not too long ago, not too long later, then the um, midnight was, like, trying to tell us something. I think 
it brought um, Thomas's uh, blue blanket, and she didn't know the sister-in-law didn't know what the uh, midnight was trying to tell her, but he was trying to warn you know to get out of the house. And no sooner had they gotten out that the house had caught on fire, and then here come the fire department and all. So when the husband and wife had came, and then the sister-in-law I think was telling what had happened. And she told about, you know, the dog Midnight. And so her sister said, you know, it can't be the same dog because he died in the first fire that we had. And the sister-in-law insisted that it wasn't what, you know, he had did brought Thomas's blanket to her. And so she had, so that's when her sister-in-law had, uh, the wife had said that he had died in the first fire that they had. You know, she had locked him. She never should have locked him in the kitchen. But Dave, her husband, was afraid that he would make a mess in the house. And so when the house caught on fire, he couldn't get out, and they found him dead. Yeah, and so oh. they had buried him near the barn. Yeah, they buried him near the barn, and the sister-in-law still didn't believe that it was, um, you know, midnight. And she said, you know, the, the, and so the wife said, you know, go and, um, you know, she told where he was buried, go see for herself. What scared the sister-in-law is when she got to that grave and saw that there were, she heard a low growl, and she said midnight, and then, she saw there there were fresh paw prints around that grave. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, I tell you, it's a lot supernatural realm and paranormal. It's real. That's mm. the real realm mm. where a lot takes place. Mm-hmm. This is like the aftermath of what hap- happens mm-hmm. there, you know, in that realm. What we see is like the aftermath. Mm-hmm. I want to share something too, and I shared this link. Mm-hmm. You'll find it inbox. Mm-hmm. It's entitled mm-hmm. um, Spirits Are Waking Me Up at Night. How Do I Get It to Stop? And I'm just sharing some of mm-hmm. what is there because it's helpful information. The most common mm-hmm. time for someone to sense the presence of a spirit is at night. Those in spirit mm-hmm. will visit you at the time of day when it is easiest to get your attention. And with the hectic, urban, busy, and energy-intensive days of modern society, it is no surprise that it is easier to capture the attention of someone when the rest of the world is quiet. Why night visitations are preferred. On your end, sensing the presence of a spirit, a subtle energetic body takes focus, attention and complete clarity of mind and space. So few times during everyday life do we set aside time for this. Besides when we are asleep or in the the semi-sleeping state. When spirits in manifesting as a sensible, palpable, energetic being in your space takes time, energy, and focus concentration. Because of this, most of those in spirit will want to only dedicate this energy to get your attention when you are most likely to notice it and pay attention to it. When alone with no other distraction, It's hard to ignore something you feel or see in your space that is not normally there. So most of us are alone when? At night. 
When appearing in the middle of the night, with most of the world asleep, there are fewer electronic noise or external inter interferences that may compete with your ability to sense, see, or feel the presence of a spirit. During the night, you are accessible. Don't want spirits to visit. So if you don't want spirits to visit you at night, you have to set boundaries, mm -hmm. which we talked about, mm -hmm. like having uh, blessed uh, sacraments mm -hmm. or verses uttered out loud. Um, and that's to ward off any type of a negative vibration or spirit mm -hmm. and energy. You want to set boundaries for them. Just because you don't want spirits visiting you at night doesn't mean all spirits know that. So in order to get the spirit world to know that and to pay attention to that, you need to let them know. There aren't clocks in the spirit world. So many don't <laughs> even realize that night isn't a good time unless you say it. So you actually have to tell them, set those boundaries. I like that. That's true. Now, here's another, um, and this is short. It says, follow the guidance. As long as you can identify mm -hmm. them, if you don't know how, uh, there's, you know, books out there you can reference, mm -hmm. and you know they are safe. If not, and this spirit is earthbound, and they want you to cross them over or something, or you need them to leave, then you want to place high vibrational objects all around your bedroom to close and block the portal. You can do that by aromatherapy, diffusers, crystals, house plants, even lead candles will help to charge the space around you so that certain entities can't get through. My, my choice is like using something that's been blessed by your spiritual mm -hmm. advisor or leader. That person would be someone you trust. For some, it's their priest, their pastor, um, you know, that spiritual man, that spiritual person who prays for them, um, who gives you spiritual and wise counsel. So, you know. But the main thing is be open to receiving messages because nine out of ten times if they're going through a lot just to get your attention then it must be something you don't already know and they're trying to make you aware of it hello i lost you yeah so in the event that you're having those encounters those spiritual visits visitations and you're noticing sounds, whether it's noise or whatever. Why are you here? What is your purpose? Who are you? Who sent you? What is your cause? Do you mean me good or evil? Like, those are questions. Don't be afraid. Because we're spirits, too. We are spirits. It's just we have earth suits on. And that gives us permission to, to walk on this earth and to be here. You know, we have that right. But it's good to know what spirit am I encountering? 
what spirit am I in the presence of? Is it a good spirit or a malevolent one? Yeah, we need to know. So, Warrior is Queen, you still there? Yeah, I had to come back on because we got disconnected. Yeah, it's odd. You notice that happens at certain times on the program. Like, mm. I th I wonder is it our conversation or what? <laughs> <laughs> I the was thinking the same thing. Served? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that we're having this yeah, I dialogue. Thinking, I, I don't know. Yeah. I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> kind of bit, yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, um, I think that we should have these kinds of conversations. It should not be taboo. Um, this mm -hmm. should be open dialogue that's going on in every mm -hmm. house, in, in classrooms, in churches, in mosques, mm -hmm. in temples, synagogues. I think people need to talk about what it is that's happening that's spiritual, too. You know, we don't hear enough dialogue about the spirituality aspect of living and in the spirit realm but there should be more discussion about it yeah i was uh you know a lot of people you know it scares them really and that's probably why the, um it was cut off <laughs> getting kind of too close mm -hmm. i wouldn't i don't want to say getting too close to comfort but you know it's um like triggering it makes them dysfunctional <laughs> right well, we have a right to have these discussions. I'm glad that we are mm -hmm. having this kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. People should mm -hmm. know these truths, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Everything's not evil. You know, there are a lot of spirits that exist, mm -hmm. and every spirit is not mm -hmm. bad. Sometimes there's a spirit trying to get our attention. And um, mm -hmm. we have to set boundaries, let them know um, what yeah. they are permitted to say and do and what they're not given mm -hmm. permission to do or, you know. Yeah, and so you don't know the difference between, you know, what's, what's good and what's bad because of the good spirit trying to, like, get your attention and holding it down, that's something you expect right. the bad spirit to do. Yeah, and then the bad spirit, you know, in other words, the good spirit be doing the bad spirit's um, job. Now, I don't think you, uh, uh, if it's a good energy and spirit, I don't think it will choke you. I don't, mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely wouldn't choke you. It wouldn't try to strangle or take no. your, your breath mm -hmm. away. No. No. And, you know, when you have said And about, then if you're feeling... Like if you're feeling like your breath is being taken, I think that means you, like we talked about, you've got to set those boundaries and you've got to yeah. um, mark off your, your territory. Start using mm -hmm. the um, blessed oil, salt, mm -hmm. um, sage, those stones, mm -hmm. you know, for protection. Put them, mm -hmm. put your, mark off your territory. So that any type mm -hmm. of negativity, it can't linger. It can't be mm -hmm. in your space. Mm -hmm. Mark mm -hmm. off your territory. Set boundaries. That's key. Mm -hmm. And you can say it out loud. I will never 
be afraid mm-hmm. in my house. So if you have come mm-hmm. to provoke fear inside of me or in, in my home, you are not welcome here. You, you know, you set off, mm-hmm. set your boundaries mm-hmm. and speak it with authority. That's your house. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your room. Mm-hmm. You set the boundaries. You say, this is not allowed. This is allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mm-hmm. have come to give me a warning, if you have come to reveal something, you can expose that to me. I will hear you. I will listen to you. You're allowed to know that, yes, you have my attention. What is it that you want to tell me? What is it that you're trying mm-hmm. to show me? Now, if it doesn't mean you any good, you will know. Usually they have a foul odor. I've mm-hmm. heard people say things like, I smelled, it smelled very, like really a foul odor. And I yeah. knew that it was a presence, you know, it was a, a energy or spirit and it was not a good one. Some people mm-hmm. say, well, I smelled roses. If you smell something pleasant, nah, that's mm-hmm. not negative. That's not evil. Um, some people say, uh, I had a glass of water, it turned cloudy. Usually that's mm-hmm. a sign something, there's an entity or something, and it's not now here's a good you, you know, here's a question regarding what if there's bubbles in it the next morning? What is that? It's some off. No, that's just science. That's science. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's science. If it's bubbles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you have to remember, your room temperature changes through the night, through the mm-hmm. hours. And then, mm-hmm. uh, depending on if there's air, like if you have something bottled and you close it, if there's air, is trapped mm-hmm. inside it, so you're going to see bubbles. Mm-hmm. If you have a glass and it's uncovered, if there's air, you're going to, that's just chemistry. But if your mm-hmm. water changes cloudy and it was clear, mm-hmm. that's not science or natural that's paranormal mm-hmm. if it changes color if it changes um yeah if it changes color mm-hmm. and it becomes like cloudy and it was clear before that's showing something uh yeah there's a presence mm-hmm. i would throw that water out and i would have my room blessed i would do a blessing mm-hmm. on it well i just want to say this that i just saw something flash by real quick on my uh purple vision so another energy <laughs> yeah that's uh, uh, yeah and because we're talking about spirits and energy yeah that's kind of like if you were saying somebody's name they're going to mm-hmm. answer you know like that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah you know they're just yeah. responding we're talking yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah but just remember we got to set those boundaries so they know yeah. no, you're not welcome to trouble me mm-hmm. you're not welcome to disturb me when i'm resting when i'm awake mm-hmm. i'm alert if you have something to tell me, you can speak and you can say that, you know, let them know, communicate mm-hmm. it. And set your boundaries. I would still like your windows, your doors, closets, under your bed. Like you just really want to seal 
and bless your space. Mm -hmm. So nothing negative can invade it. All right. Well, this conversation was uh, meant to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and don't forget what Skyfee was reminding us about the full moon. We got a couple more days of this full moon. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So we got to watch out for even more. Yes. And tame our souls. <laughs> and more days. Yep. You're an Alaskan husky. You know, they're um, part wolf. <laughs> well, it's about that time. We got to wrap up tonight's mm -hmm. show. We'll yeah. be back next week. We'll have a, a special guest from 8 till 9. Um, a published author, and they will be sharing with us perspectives and insights and mm -hmm. about their book. Um, I will not say the person's name. I'm going to keep it a surprise until next week, but mm -hmm. we're in for a good, another good uh, show mm -hmm. from 8 to 9, exclusive interview hour. You don't want to miss it. Come with your questions and comments and remarks. Thank you, everyone, mm -hmm. for tuning in tonight. Uh, good health to all, peace and blessings to everyone. And don't forget, this is the spring. This is your time for new beginnings. As the earth is budding and flowers are opening up and, you know, blossoms are blooming, this is your time. Start those things that need to be done. You know, anything that's... Mm -hmm. And kind of on the shelf, you want to start launching those projects. Uh, mm -hmm. This is the right time in the year to start them. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Yep. And peace yeah, and blessings, everyone. Thank you again, Skyski Rio. We we appreciate you on many levels, and your uh, support mm -hmm. means a lot. Um, and and we look forward yeah, to. And you know, yeah. Go, go on, Warrior. Yeah. Yes, and I had one to add regarding to the conversation that we had. And um, with your, the link you sent me, Spirits are waking me up at night. How do I get it to stop? And then frequently I have been getting up, you know, like waking up in the middle of the night, unable to go back to sleep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I was always told when that happens to pray, that's kind of like a spiritual mm -hmm. upbringing um, mm -hmm. I had to pray. Because it could be you're waking up. Um, maybe someone's in need of divine help. And you mm. might be the person that's the link um, mm. to say that prayer that could be one of protection or comfort. Maybe they're going through a hard trial or mm. something and they need support. So it's never only you're waking up because of your waking up. It's always a purpose. So think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Think of who mm -hmm. might need help this hour. Who can I pray uh, for, you know, for divine angels to minister to them or 
you know, maybe someone's name pops in your head, you know, then you know, oh, wow, it's a reason why this person is coming to my mind. And it's all of a sudden they, they're coming to your mind, you know, speak something positive into the air on their behalf, you know, good health to that person, you know, and divine protection over that person's life. You never know what they're going through. But definitely pay attention to those things. I like to pay attention to what time it is. Like if um, mm -hmm. all of a sudden I just wake up and I can't go to sleep and I wake up like I wake up like somebody woke me up, there's <laughs> mm -hmm. a difference. Then that's significant. I need to pay attention. What time, what did the clock read mm -hmm. when that happened? Because usually it's a meaning to that. It's, it's purpose, it's mm -hmm. something significant. Yeah. And I mean, it could happen. Somebody could say, you know what? Last night at such and such a time, this happened. You'd be like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I was sleeping. All of a sudden, I woke up at that time. And that person mm -hmm. came to my mind. See, you know, it's, yeah. It's always a spiritual link. Always a spiritual link. Did, did the sleep polarisis happen on the full moon, Zipporah? Zipporah no, I didn't polarisis. even know that there was no, yeah, I wouldn't know because I didn't know that there was no full moon. Mm. Yeah. It was sometime last week this happened? Yeah. Mm. Uh, and usually, I mean, I just got to start, you know, writing down, you know, what my dreams and all, because um, I had written down some dreams. It was kind of like a long dream, and I saw this cat in here <laughs> and something else. <laughs> yeah, the cat I'm going to remember, yeah. And it was a cat that I knew, you know. Interesting. Yeah, so you definitely mm -hmm. want to pay close attention to these mm -hmm. things. A lot of times they're signs. They mm -hmm. have meaning. Mm -hmm. Substantial mm -hmm. meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's what it says about cats, cat dreams. It says, some say that cats and dreams are a symbol for your intuition and that the health of the cat indicates whether you are heeding or ignoring your intuition. A dream feline may be a symbol for someone in your life who is quote-unquote catty or malicious. Being scratched by a cat in a dream suggests that you feel threatened. Mm -hmm. And I've never mm -hmm. had that. Um, like that. Yeah, it's been mostly mm -hmm. like, a, you know, showing me things that cat was used mm -hmm. as the guide. The guide or the guardian. So, yeah, I have mm -hmm. a lot of respect for them. <laughs> like somebody said, that their, the cat, they was asleep and they were snoring. So the cat jumped on the bed and every time the person snored, the cat would hit their foot with their paw waking them up. And they wake up and they go back to the store and the cat will hit their, hit their foot again. <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, people don't realize when you snore, that's a sign that your breathing is obstructed. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not really considered a healthy thing to snore because it's like, um, it's not a normal way to breathe when you're sleeping. So yeah, maybe the cat's sensing that. <laughs> I'm trying to wake them up to help them. <laughs> Like, you're not breathing right. Wake up. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Yeah, animals are. You don't see people walk with those dogs to do, they're going to have a seizure. Stuff like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, like these things are serious, serious business. Yeah, you know what's scary about cats is that they almost look human. I mean, they they have like a human face. Mhm. Egypt. Yeah, mm. you you can say yep. Yeah, they were highly revered for all these reasons. Yep. Well, we will re- yeah, reconvene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll reconvene next week. And uh, mm-hmm. good health to everyone, peace and blessings. And mm-hmm. we will say good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.